another Buckeye Talk. Three humans in a basement. Bill Landis, Tim Bielek, Doug Maurice. Landis back from his Philly sojourn. Uh, we are here to recap Ohio State and the NFL Draft. We're here to look ahead and predict who the future first-round picks are on this current Ohio State roster. We're going to talk recruiting with Garrett Wilson, the guy they just got, and Grant Gunnell. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. There was a show, I can't remember, it was a puppet. There was a puppet named Gary Gnu, and he was a newscaster. And whenever I hear Grant Gunnell, I think of Gary Gnu. Um, it's like a reference from like 1978. Like nobody, <clears throat> I Googled it. Listening to this podcast was even alive. The Great Space Coaster. The Great Space Coaster with Gary Gnu. All the Gnu's is good Gnu's or something with Gary Gnu, and he was a sportscaster. So I'm going to try not to call Ohio State's future quarterback Gary Gnu. Um, and then we're going to talk about zombies. We've had a robot expert on this podcast. We legitimately are going to call a zombie expert because we want to talk about not who would win a battle between aliens, robots, and zombies, but who you would be rooting for in that battle. If you were sort of like sitting in the stands, munching on some popcorn, and like watching it all unfold, what would you want to happen? Whose side are you on? We did a Twitter poll on that. We will release those results, and then we will talk about zombies with someone from the Zombie Research Society. Not a joke. Are we going to like talk to a stone-cold weirdo who thinks zombies are a real thing? He has like a PhD, and I think he sounds like he could kill us. So... I am respectful of his zombie knowledge, because I am a little nervous. Was he a consultant for a George Romero movie? There are a lot of George Romero references on the Zombie Research Society website, which anyone is welcome to go look at. I don't, I don't exactly know what their expertise is. Is it because I, I, I'm not that interested in like how good of a fighter a zombie is. I'm looking. I want to talk about the humanity of zombies, and I don't know if that's the normal. I mean, I guess it's the normal conversation. The, the Twitter account describes it itself as uh, the Zombie Research Society says it's the largest zombie organization on the planet with over 200,000 experts, artists, and survivalists in our ranks. So, he, I mean, this is the nut of the question that we'll get to. Nut's a good word. <laughs> To me, when you are looking at an alien versus robot versus zombie battle to the death, and I know people said, well, zombies are already dead. So, like, when I'm saying battle to the death, if the zombie is still trying to, like, gnaw your leg off, it's not dead. Battle to the death means until it's not moving anymore, okay? So, like, I get it. Zombies are already dead. It can't be a battle to the death. Here, it's a, it's a question of humanity and which group retains the greatest humanity that we as the human race can relate to. Is it the undead one-time humans? Is it robots who were built by humans but have no true organic quality to them? Or is it aliens who are the humans of a dist- of a different planet but are as natural in their planetary state as we are in our planetary state? Which group possesses the greatest humanity, and therefore, in a battle to the death, which group should we root for? That is the discussion that I want to have with a zombie expert. I gotta ask, how did you come up with this question? When we talked about zombies and robots, we mostly talked about aliens and robots before. 
we were talking about last week, and then some, was it, did it come up on the podcast or only on Twitter after the fact? When you after, were, it was on Twitter after the fact. Well, tell the point you made about whether I it, forget. It, I forget what it was. There was I'm a point about rooting for robots versus rooting for aliens, and 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 or no, no, it was a question about rooting rooting for humans versus aliens. And you said, in someone said, in Avatar, aren't you rooting? Because I said I would never root for a oh, robot. Here, okay, I found it. Okay, here's the question from uh, Austin on Twitter, at Chappelle Austin. He says, after listening to the podcast about never rooting against humans, the movie Avatar came into my head where I found myself rooting for the Navi, the aliens in the movie, even though humans are involved with them as well. What are your thoughts? And my response was, I wanted the humans to lose an Avatar because they were exploiting slash killing actual living beings, just like I wanted the monkeys to win in Planet of the Apes. I'm team human when they're fighting robots. Well, also in the movie, Stephen Lang is kind of a robot because he's in like a mech warrior suit. I don't know what any of that means. I never I, actually watched Planet but, of the Apes but movies. There, but there, you haven't seen Avatar? No, I didn't watch any of the new Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those movies are really good. I, I mean, and again, we were talking about, I mean, obviously, who, the Navi are Native Americans. Correct. I mean, so so you can see, you can see the parallels so easily, and they want you to. Um but it is it is a search for humanity, Landis. And in that situation, you found the humanity in an alien race more than you found in the humans who were just like trying to dig everything up for that metal. Yep. Which is what brought us to robots versus aliens versus zombies and the search for humanity. And we'll get to that after we talk about the draft. How can we talk about the draft? Is there humanity in the NFL draft? There is. There was there was a boatload. I almost said crapload. <laughs> hey, there was a crapload of humanity in the draft. That guy got picked to his brother's team, and everybody was happy. Oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah, there right. was a lot of humanity. Ryan Shazier walking to the podium. I'm conflicted on Ryan Shazier walking to the podium. Same. I am. I mean, who is not on Team Shazier? Ryan Shazier is a fantastic person. Uh, who everybody, literally everybody in the world is rooting for. And the way he has handled himself through all of this is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Obviously, he's had very difficult times in private. What he has done publicly is extraordinary. Like, hey, guys, look, you just entered like our business and... Here's someone in our business who playing, uh, taking part in the business did this to him. Yeah. Is a little tough. And so that's not anything about Ryan Shazier. That's about the NFL. That is, please read that as zero criticism of Ryan Shazier. There's, there's no, nothing. He's been unbelievable. Um, I'm a little iffy on the NFL on that situation. Obviously, to see him make progress is inspiring in any situation. I'm a little, I'm a little out on that. Um, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna rank the ten best NFL prospects on Ohio State's roster. Tim and Bill both did this. I kind of did a different list, and and we'll have you guys go through it and talk about them. I want to ask this question: Did either of you rank guys who? Kind of have never played college football. Uh, like, for instance, like Teron Vincent. 
Like, no, is he on your list? That was that was the hang up for me. And I guess I guess I did one guy, but in my head, I was like, well, it's easy to say that you think the five star defensive tackle is a good NFL prospect, and I'm not saying he's not, but I did want to try to base this a little bit on what we've seen. So, like, Teron Vincent is a good one, a good example. Um, I think like Baron Browning is also a guy you can throw into that mix who has not played a whole lot. But I have one guy on my list who would fall into that category. Because... Tim, have most of your guys played? Uh, yeah, only, okay. only one hasn't. Okay. I'm, I'm more down with that because otherwise we're just spinning forward recruiting rankings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm cool with that. So we'll go through um, the top ten prospects, and then I will give you my list of one, two, three, four, five, and one, two, three, four, five, six. Six guys, I think, who could be first-round picks in 2019, and five, I think, could be first-round picks in 2020. Let's start with number 10. Did I say this is Buckeye talk? Doug Lane, Maurice, Bill Landis, Tim Bailey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. guys know what it is. Yeah, zombie talk. Listen, you're not sitting through, like, 10 minutes of zombie humanity if you don't know who we are and what we do. <laughs> this is Buckeye talk. We're here. Tim, who's your number 10? Uh, Kendall Sheffield. Landis, is he on your list? He is not. I thought about putting him on there, but he's not. I think he should be on a list. I, I, I think if you if you are talking about, I mean, that's the position, right? Mm-hmm. That's the position. And if Ohio State is going to keep alive this string of corners being drafted, and it's not all first round. One year, the, their best corner drafted was Durant Grant was a fourth rounder, but still they have had a corner drafted every year of the Urban Meyer era. Yep. Many of them in the first round, five in the first round, right? If who's the best candidate, because Okuda can't come out, who's the best candidate to keep that alive in the 2019 draft? It's Kendall Sheffield. Sure. And he's a little bit taller than Denzel Ward, and he is also super crazy fast. And so I don't know that we've seen it, but I agree with you, Tim. What what made you put him on the list? Premium position, corners a premium position. We saw that in the draft pushing Denzel Ward up to number four, which I think we all kind of admit was maybe higher than we higher than we thought or predicted he would go. But corners are valuable, and for Sheffield's a guy with length. He can obviously run really fast, and I thought he he improved throughout the season to the point where I thought you know the Con Bowl was his best game of the season. Why didn't you put him on Landis? Uh, I mean, I, I tried, I guess, as much as I could, like, not to base this, like, all on projection, and that's going to sound, I think, hypocritical once I nip, list, list some guys, but Kendall Sheffield, to me, just didn't have a great year last year, and I know he got better towards the end of the year, but I don't know if I view him yet, and I'm certainly open-minded and, and willing to change, in the same kind of light that I viewed Eli Apple, Gary on Conley, Marshawn Lattimore, maybe to a lesser extent because he had been hurt, and Denzel Ward, like, at this same point. Like, having played a year, I thought all those guys, when they played a year, a full year, you saw them out, like, not Con- like Conley's first time on the field was a disaster, but then when he played his first full year as a starting corner, I thought he was really good. And all those guys, when they played their first full years as starting cornerbacks, I thought, you know what? I can see it. I can see a first-round pick, and I didn't see it last year with Kendall Sheffield. So, And, and it, the question is not first-round pick. It's, it's NFL draft pick. Um, I just went with a different corner. We'll get to that. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Um, I agree with that. And Lattimore is the exception because Lattimore came out of nowhere to the extent of basically injured, injured, unbelievable, awesome, incredible year, defensive rookie of the year. 
But it all made, like, if you knew anything about Marshawn Lattimore, that, that made sense on some level. Maybe it not did. defensive rookie of the year, but you know he was awesome. He was just hurt. And I do think Kendall Sheffield would make sense, like, where we were a year ago with Kendall Sheffield. Like, he's a five-star Alabama recruit who went to junior college, who's super fast, and is here to be in the pipeline. We talked about him being one and done when they signed him. And then he but didn't. I didn't, I didn't think it was crazy. He didn't have the year we thought. But I think... You know, if he just if, – if this was like a, he had a warm-up year and now we're going to see it, I absolutely think that's in play, and I think he'd be on my list. Yep. Uh, Landis, who's your number 10? Harris Campbell. Are you guys going in order of how good they are? Like the, the – what – how – like is your number one guy the best prospect? Yeah. And your number one guy is your best prospect? Yes. People are talking about Paris Campbell as a first round. He, I've seen him in multiple mock drafts as a first rounder next year. Really? And he's tenth on your list. He's tenth on my list because I think he struggles with like the most important thing that a receiver has to do, which is catching the ball. He's going to test like crazy whenever he goes through the draft process. He's going to run super fast. We all know that. He's a really nice guy who's going to interview well and all that stuff too. Like, but I think there will be legitimate questions about his hands, and I don't. It's not going to keep him from getting drafted. He's still going to get drafted. And I think drafted high. Um, but in my head, he is not yet like a no doubt about it first round pick. I think if, at, th- at the, this point, I'd probably say more like second or third round. Um, but I think he's he's certainly an NFL player. Where is Paris on your list, Tim? He's not. I would have him at eleven, and for the same reason. Okay, I got to start off by saying, not impressed with your list so far. You don't have Paris Campbell on your list at all, and you didn't have Sheffield. I am shocked by both those things. Go Beca- ahead. Because I've seen they're the too sa- good, man. I think I've seen the same mock drafts you've seen. And I'm trying to figure out in the NFL where it's not quite as positionless as, for example, the NBA is in basketball. The NFL still is strictly by positions. And we go strictly by where Paris Campbell, their teams are going to want to select Paris Campbell as a wide receiver. He has problems within past 10 yards of line scrimmage holding on to the football. That Indiana drop still sticks in my mind. Is like, if he's going to be a first round pick, I replay that over and over in my head. And I think that, like, that alone could keep him out of the first round. So, so again, so basically, like you're saying, you think you have, you th- obviously, you guys, you think he'll get drafted. You just think you have ten guys who will get drafted higher. I have these are my two words for Paris Campbell's draft prospects. Two words: Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller was a third round pick as a positionless guy yeah. who was fast. And who had never really played the position. They they are like I think they are similar in that they are not true outside receivers who are much more slot guys with speed who have big playability. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're, the, they're they're not really the same beyond that. I don't think they're the same in style of play. But they're both Ohio State H's who are fast, who you really wouldn't think of lining up like as a true wide receiver of the NFL. Except Paris Campbell's been playing this position his whole life. He's been playing it for three years, four years. He's a running back. So I'm just – I am a little – I don't quite buy like the Paris Campbell first-round stuff. Every time I see him in a mock draft, I'm sort of like, okay, I get the whole mock draft thing. And the last thing I'm going to do – I was getting a little – I get a little wound up, by the way. As soon as the draft ends, everybody's like, oh, I guess why don't we start the mock drafts for next year or whatever. And it's like – you mean why don't we start doing something that readers enjoy yeah. and is fun and is about sports and creates dialogue and is interesting? Yeah, why would we do that? <laughs> and by the way, like all your companies, do it. 
Our company does it. Every company, every sports site in the world does it. So go ahead and mock it. Uh, I, I'm going to go. Let me go write about uh, how cleat length uh, like influences the ability of uh, defenses to tackle. The, nobody can. Like, it's fun. Is it okay to be fun? Are we allowed to have fun with sports? Or do we just make fun? Everything that's fun is clickbait bullcrap. And you're too good for it. You know what? Cram it. It's fun. So don't mock mock drafts. I just don't think you should necessarily be dropping Paris Campbell in the first round like all over the place. I think he's got the potential. I don't think it's a sure thing. I think Paris Campbell, if Paris Campbell had gone out, he would have been picked higher than Braxton Miller was picked that year. I I don't know if I agree with that. I could see a lot of day two, early day two. Teams will want to gamble on the size. You know, the health concerns about being able to return kickoffs again, that that reduces his value a little bit. But as far as the ability to just throw the guy football and trust that he can just turn two yards into 20 yards, is going to be valuable to any NFL franchise. Do you think an NFL team would have reason to have viewed Braxton Miller as a better, better NFL prospect at that position than Paris Campbell? Braxton Miller brings more to the table as a playmaker, I think. Paris Campbell's crazy fast, and if you give him five yards, he's probably going to score. But I don't know if he creates that five yards, if that makes sense, like for himself. Like Braxton Miller, if you throw him a little hitch or a bubble, like he can make five guys miss and then run 70 yards for a touchdown. I don't know if Paris Campbell can do that. And it's not like Braxton Miller is a freaky, freaky dude. Like we've all seen what he can do with the ball in his hands. Like that's not a knock on Paris Campbell. That's just like acknowledgement of how special Braxton Miller is with the ball. Um, I think they would be drafted in similar spots, which is also to say, like, I did this top 10 list of NFL draft prospects on the roster. Like, all these guys on my list, I think, are third round or better. Third round okay. picks are better for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think this, picks. and this is, again, it's not an indictment of Paris Campbell. I think he can get there. I think Paris Campbell knows he's not there yet. I think Paris Campbell probably knows he's not really a first round pick right now. Cause if he was, I think he would have gone. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're basing a mock draft, if you're mocking, Paris Campbell in the first round, you're basing it on on like what he's shown. And I think if Paris Campbell had information that he was a first-round pick, he could have gone. He would have gone. So I think to mock him as a first-rounder, I think to mock like an underclassman who decided to come back into the first round is sort of like doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. I mean, unless you're just – you're assuming a jump. You're assuming they use him more. They use him better. But – um but I think he would have been a third rounder if he had gone. All right. My Land- number nine is going to drive you crazy. Landis, who's your nine? <laughs> Joe Burrow. Is Burrow on your list? No. Okay. A quarterback <laughs> is, I do have one quarterback, although they kind of gave it away. Tate. Uh, all right. Yeah, Tate yes. You have the floor, Bill Landis. Uh, I think he's an NFL quarterback. I do think he throws the ball well enough to be an NFL quarterback. Um He's got like he's not a running quarterback, but he certainly has the mobility that I think the NFL looks for. I think whether he's the quarterback at Ohio State next year or the quarterback somewhere else, he would be a productive quarterback. And the quarterback class next year sucks. So I think it's very possible that Joe Burrow could play himself into being a highly coveted NFL quarterback next year by being the, by being the starter somewhere. Yeah, anyway, yeah, Ohio State or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim. Reaction? Wow. <laughs> I I also get, get it. it. I get yeah. it. I, I get it. I, I get it. I don't think he'd be in my top ten just based on, again, we were just joking about like too many good players. Um, 
But it is a weird quarterback class. I wanted to, as much as I could, like, base it off of what I've seen. And, like, like Joe Burrow's not played a ton, but we've, I think we've seen a decent amount of Joe Burrow for a quarterback who really has not played. Yeah. I think he's good. I really like, like, I still like Dwayne Haskins more, and he's also on my list. But I, I wanted, on some level, I think, to give, like, Joe Burrow the props that he deserves for being a good quarterback. But I also, like, I in my mind... The only guys I would put ahead of them on this list are, like, Kendall Sheffield, and I said why I didn't do that, and then, like, young guys who I think are going to be really good but haven't really played yet. Haven't played yet. Uh, Tim, who's your nine? Jordan Fuller. I think he brings, obviously, we know his tackling ability. I'll be brief about this. He's, he's covered well in slot corner situations. We've seen him play down the slot. I'm curious how he's going to continue to develop as he plays more of that field safety this season. Is he on your list? He's not. Damon Webb scared me. I think Jordan Fuller's better than Damon Webb. Yeah. Yeah. But what is, like, Damon Webb didn't get drafted. Which, yeah. Which blew, like, kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, I thought Damon Webb was really good as a senior and has good coverage ability for a safety. And, like, I thought he was better than Jordan Fuller last year. You know, Jordan Fuller can certainly surpass him next year. But Damon Webb not getting drafted made me think a little, I don't know, not, not as highly of Jordan Fuller. You guys have such... Different lists so far. This is very interesting. That was what makes for good podcasting. I, I, I would have I would have Fuller on my list, but I get that. Like, I think I mean he's not Malik Cooker. He he's got to show us a little more to be Von Bell, who was a second rounder. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think he's better than Damon Webb. You know, so so if you're if right now he's somewhere between Von Bell and Damon Webb. Yeah, he's between a second rounder and a guy who went undrafted. Um, I think he could get to Von Bell territory. Yeah. But he's got to make plays. Uh, and I think he'll have the chance to do that. But, again, this is – that that's – you know, we saw a whole year of Jordan Fuller. But that's still a, a projection on Jordan Fuller because if Jordan Fuller was in the draft right now, I guess he might have – he probably would have gone ahead of Damon Webb. I think he would have been drafted. He would have been drafted, but, I think. But he wouldn't have been a, a first three rounds, I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim, who's your eight? Austin Mack. Is he on your list, Bill? No. Tell me why he's on your list, Tim. Big rec- receiver with big size. I feel like we've we've already seen an ability to make some tough catches. The butt catch against Oklahoma sticks out on my mind. So so does the Michigan catch where he holds on despite taking a vicious hit. I'm curious how much his workload is going to increase this year regardless of who's the quarterback. I feel like he'll be targeted more, and I feel like that'll significantly, significantly ramp up his draft stock. Why didn't you put him on, Bill? <laughs> um, I, like nothing more, I guess. Than like, I, I feel like I haven't seen quite enough. I, I, I he's another guy who I think can get there, and I think it's important to not harp too much on production when it comes to Ohio State receivers, because Michael Thomas was not a very productive. He was productive at Ohio State, but but not productive on a level that suggested he would be what he is in the NFL if you just looked at the numbers. But I think he also, in a lot of ways, like passed the eye test. Um, he. Looked like an NFL receiver, even if Ohio State didn't treat him like one. And I don't know to me right now if Austin Mac- – I think Austin Mack is, is an NFL receiver, and I think he will get drafted. But he was not among my top ten because I don't – again, like the threshold for me for being a top ten guy is like a third-round pick, and I don't think Austin Mack is there just yet. 23 career catches, 302 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he would not be on my list. Again, he can get there. But I think – I think he has farther to go than some other guys. Um, 
we keep saying that we think he'll be he'll I think we all think I think a lot of guys on the beat think that Austin Mack will be the receiver that emerges from this group. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's guaranteed. No, I wasn't. I, I, I think that also, but I, the receiver group in general, to me, I don't think anyone really warranted being on the list outside of Paris Campbell. Okay, so who's your eight, Landis? Michael Jordan. Is he on your list, Tim? No offensive lineman on my list. Wow. All right, I got it. I think that's a misfire. I think, I, I will say this. There was somebody, I can't remember what it was that I saw, but I saw, it's like, what is, it's like, it's like, I saw a thing on Twitter. No, I saw the same But thing. there was a thing that was like, they were looking at like Billy Price tape and they were like, who's that 73? And I was like, yeah, you don't know that yet. Like yeah. Michael Jordan was just like sitting on somebody. He just knocked him over and plowed him into the ground. I don't know anything about Quentin Nelson other than that everybody thought he might have been the best pure football player in this draft. He could like bench press a house, right? So all I'm saying is, I think Michael Jordan could be a first-round pick someday. Yeah, I think it's funny. It's like people scouted Billy Price and was like, "Oh, who's who's fifty-four? And then people scouted Billy or uh, sorry, people scouted Pat Alfine. Like, who's fifty-four? And people scouted Billy Price like, who's seventy-three? And I think like there is a benefit to being the guard that plays next to an awesome center because people are looking at you even if they don't want to or mean to. Um, so I think Michael Jordan is a guy who has caught some people's eyes. Now he's not a perfect guard prospect, and I honestly I don't even know. Like I had a conversation with him a few weeks ago about being a tackle because I think that's what that's what I thought he was going to be when he came here, and I think that's what he thought he was going to be when he came here. And it looks like he may never play the position at Ohio State, um, but he's a six foot seven. Mean, Six seven three ten. Mean dude who I like plays really hard and like is, I think will check all the boxes that people look for for an offensive lineman. I think is an athlete for his size. Um, so I yeah I think I think he'll be if he comes out next year. I don't know, but if he plays all four years, which I think he might, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in the conversation for best guard in the draft. Yeah, yeah. I think four that, year starter. I think Possibly. he has scratched. He's a two year starter, and I think we haven't. Seen close to the best of Michael Jordan yet. Yeah. Um, he is... I think we're going to see, like, that meaner side. He's a he's a monster. He's 6'7", 310. At a guard. I think he could play tackle. He could play guard. I think... I mean, you just start thinking about Ohio State offensive linemen that have come through here. And I think he is very interesting. Yeah. So... Um, Landis, who's your seven? Isaiah Prince. Tim, is he on your list? No, he said he has no alignment. Oh, that's right. All right. I would not have put Prince on a list. And you have him ahead of Michael Jordan? Mm Mm-hmm. The guy that they decided not to make the left tackle. That has spooked me. I mean, right tackle, you need right tackles, too. Like, I don't think he'll be a first-round pick because typically you're not drafting. Well, I shouldn't say that. But I think that will spook people as well. He's six foot eight, and he's going to have like I don't know what like defensive end athletic traits when he go when he goes to the combine. People are going to fall in love with that dude. Like his film, especially from two, from twenty sixteen, is not great. Better last year. I think it'll be better this year. And I think he'll be. I think he is athletic enough, and look, uh, the physical profile of Isaiah Prince is enough that I think he'll be considered for a second round draft pick, maybe a third round draft pick. I get that. I, again, I was spooked. I would not put him ahead of Jordan as an NFL. Like as as when they get to the league, whenever they come out, who will be drafted higher? I would bet Michael Jordan. Um, but I'm a little Tim. Why did you lean so hard away from the offensive line? Well, because when I look, 
Well, Michael Gordon was my number one offensive lineman. And for me, it's not so much about the players, it's about the position. Guards just typically, unless you're Quentin Nelson, when you're just an absolute freak of nature, don't go in the first round. And, you know... Are you ranking first round picks? I'm, I'm ranking kind of where I think guys will be slotted. And I think... Jordan certainly seems like a day two guy to me. The the minimum floor I have, like Kendall Sheffield, will be day two guy. And I day two is typically where guards go. I think there's a lot of flexibility within this day two group. I think Jordan can be drafted pretty early in day two because I know like the second pick of day two was a guard from UTEP, Will Hernandez. I think Jordan will be drafted pretty high. I just it's just not first round to me. Just just simply because of position, it's nothing on Jordan, and I, I just think, and I also think he's a much better draft prospect than Isaiah Prince. Again, like you said, Doug, the thing that he's going to stay on the right side is kind of worrisome. Who's your seven, Tim? Uh, ready for some projection? Baron yeah. Browning. Did you put him in your list? I did not. I, I get it, um, but it just, just not a lot to go on. Why? There's not a lot to go on. What made you put him on your list, Tim? I see a frame that a f- a f- athletic frame, athleticism and versatility that it's going to be so it would be so hard for me to see him failing at the collegiate level. Not to say it won't happen, but that he won't find a way to succeed and teams will fall in love with that athleticism. We see it every year athletic guys always get pushed up draft boards. Guys who are versatile get pushed up draft boards. Browning performs well in the next two seasons. You know, he'll work his way in the rotation. It wouldn't surprise me if by the end of the year, he's not at the top of that rotation. Force, forcing his way into a starting spot, he becomes a force and really earns his way into a high draft spot. That's basically a recruiting projection at this point, which is fine. You know, I mean, he just he, he hasn't played much. Urban Meyer said he's as good of a what was whatever the phrase Urban used about he's as good a, of a linebacker as ever walked through those doors. So I mean that's the kind of thing that when when someone says something like that when Urban Meyer says something like that you pay attention. So but there's just a lot of projection there. But I think I think there's a possibility that like six games into this season or like oh yeah he's like a sure thing mm-hmm. he's a top ten pick. Yeah. Um, Tim who's your six? J.K. Dobbins is he on your list, Bill? Yeah, I have him higher. Why did you put him sixth, Tim? Uh, I think this is where I get into the position of guys that I believe will be first-rounders. And uh, the thing, again, J.K. falls in the same category as Jordan. It's positional for me in that running backs don't always go in the first round. I think we only saw, what, three this year? Saquon Barkley, Rashad Penny, and Sony Michelle. Dobbins is an outstanding running back. I think if as long as he gets the, sh- the bell cow share of the carries that I – that Doug and I feel like he deserves, he should flash and continue to put up numbers like he did last year. To me, as long as he's healthy, as long as he continues to perform the way he did his freshman year, I think he's got a very good chance to be a first-round pick. You know what? I do think, like, I think he might win the, <laughs> I think he might win the Heisman. I, I think he, I need to see a little more from J.K. Dobbins. I think he's an excellent college running back. I need to see a little more before I think he's going to be an excellent NFL running back. Because I think I think there's some freaky athleticism, athleticism involved with that, some extreme power, some elite speed. Um, I absolutely would have him on my list. But I think six is a reasonable spot for him because, like, I think right now he might be like a third-round pick. You know, like, I mean, he was awesome. But I think there's just a little more, like, when you think about running backs, again, at a devalued position, um, 
you've got to be dominant. And I, and I just don't – I'm just thinking about the NFL projection for him. He's really good. I'm all in on J.K. Dobbins. I just wonder about him being much higher than this. Uh, we're going to get Landis's six. Then we're going to take a break in the middle of our top ten. We'll be halfway through the top ten. And we'll talk to a zombie expert. Landis, who's your six? This is like the most projection-y I got. Jeff Okuda is my number six. Tim, is he on your list? Yeah, he's a little higher. Okay. I, I don't think – I feel better projecting Okuda than I do Browning, though, because Okuda certainly has had more opportunity than like a guy like Browning so far. And otherwise, they're very similar. Yeah. He's 6'1". He's a long 6'1". Um, from the little that we've seen with him, he seems seen of him, he seems to run really well. And I was talking with Greg Schiano uh, whenever we talked to the assistants, it was two weeks ago, and I presented to him like my theory of Okuda moving to safety, and Schiano's answer is basically like, nah, he's an elite corner. So, like, and I... Probably more than any other coach in the staff, I trust like Greg Schiano's individual evaluations of guys. I think more than any other assistant because he's been at both levels and at, and at both levels for a long time. Um, so that that said a lot to me that he thinks Jeff Okuda is going to be an elite corner. Now, if I asked him about Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett, maybe he would have said the exact same thing. Um, but I think six one, five star freaky athlete Jeff Okuda will be a first round cornerback in two years. And I do think I think it would be. A much greater surprise. I think I would be shocked if like Jeffrey Okuda does not become a top NFL talent. Now, I mean, if it winds up that he goes late in the second round or something, or like that's not. A, but like if if he if this doesn't work, I will be flabbergasted because yep. I think when it comes to tools, when it comes to just like recruiting ranking. Again, Marshawn Lattimore, unbelievable athlete. Denzel Ward, unbelievable athlete. Bradley Roby. Great athlete. Like, all these guys have come through. But I don't know that they've seen a guy like Okuda, right, With just with the raw gifts. And he's no. super smart. Like, he just has – he came ready-made to be the next guy on this list. And if it doesn't happen, it would be crazy. Yeah. All right. That's our first five on each of the lists for Bill and Tim, which just were remarkably divergent. Which, again, as Tim pointed out, makes for great podcasting. You know what else makes for great podcasting? Zombie Talk. We'll be back with it right after this on Buckeye Talk. So we are back on Buckeye Talk. And briefly, this is going to be Zombie Talk. In the past, it's been Robot Talk. But the reason we're doing this is because we got into a discussion last week about, I said I would always root for humans against robots. I'm on Team Human. And then someone asked a question about um, aliens, and we sort of got off track, and we'll get back to that. But I did a poll on Twitter today, and my question was, in a three-way battle to the death, which group would you root for? And aliens won. It was 44% aliens, 42% robots, and zombies got smoked. Only 14% of the people would be rooting for the zombies. So we have Cam Carlson, who is a zombie expert. He was referred to us by the Zombie Research Society. We hooked up on Twitter, and here we are. Cam, thank you for joining us on Buckeye Talk. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. The fact that zombies only got 14% in that poll, does that sound right to you that really 
in a battle against robots and aliens, zombies only should be should get 14%? Or should we have more sympathy for zombies in that setting? Yeah, no, they're, they're going to get crushed. It's simple. They're absolutely going to get crushed. Uh, I'm actually surprised that many people voted for it. Because they're slow and dumb, uh, or why are they going to get crushed? Well, exactly. They're, they're slow. They're stupid. Uh, they don't do anything. They aren't, they're not the stereotypical zombies you see from the movie Zombieland or, you know, uh, 28 Days Later or anything like that. They're the typical, uh, you know, walkers from The Walking Dead. They don't, they don't move fast. They just kind of meander about and groan. And, you know, they have very, very little ability to function. Um, so, I mean, when it comes down to it, sure, you might get one or two, uh, you know, aliens or robots just based on a swarm, but they're not, they're not going to do anything. They're just basically there for cannon fodder. But, but, but Cam, they once, they were, they were us. Any one of us speaking here on this podcast could wind up as a zombie someday. I'm sure as hell not going to wind up as a robot and we can't be an alien. Should, when we think about zombies, should we hate them? They're the undead. They're our enemy. We have no sympathy for them. Or should there be a piece of our heart that goes out to a zombie knowing that that zombie was once a human? Well, that, that kind of depends. Do you want to be a zombie or do you want to be a human? Because that's where, that's where it kind of comes down. Do you want to be a meat wagon or do you want to be a human? In my personal <laughs> opinion, no. There's no, there's no humanity. Unless, if you want to be a meat sandwich or a meat salad, go for it. You can wander around and, and you know, just like Shaun of the Dead, I'll put you on a leash and put you in the shed someplace, and then we can see how much humanity you really have. Uh, but beyond that, no. It's, it's, zombies are no longer human, because what makes a human a human is the ability to think and, and act and interact with others, not just, I'm going to bite you. I mean, that could be fun, I guess, for some people, but in this case, no. I don't feel like getting bitten. Cam, this is Tim. Uh, you you talked about how your pro, how your standard for the zombie is essentially slow and dumb. Well, we come to the 21st century. We see films like 28 Days Later and Dawn of the Dead portray zombies as running running super fast and just going crazy. What, has that always been the standard, or did that kind of change your mind a little bit about what you think of zombie? Because and if there were those fast zombies, do you think that would change anything? Uh, no, I don't think it would change much. Um, but if you look at 28 Days Later, they're technically not zombies. They're, they're infected with the rage virus. Oh, yeah. So, so that kind of, you know, so that whole thing was like, you know, that, that would suck. That would be really bad. Like, I would, I mean, I'd just lock myself in the basement and call it a day. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> no way for the end of the world. Um, because I'm sorry, I'm not that fast. Uh, I just have to be faster than the slowest person. But, uh, when it comes to Dawn of the Dead or even George Romero's, you know, God rest his soul, but when he did his movie, they were ambulatory. Uh, 21st century, I mean, honestly, the only way we're talking about fast zombies and like zombie land zombies is, is some like, you know, mechanical enhancements or something to allow the brain to retain its higher functions because running is a higher function. Breathing is actually considered a higher brain function. So when a zombie, you know, breaks down or becomes a zombie, it's basic instinct to just feed and walk. Those are just basic functions. So, eh, 21st century, maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe another, you know, 100 years I could see it, but right now, nah, not really. So I voted for the zombies in that poll, 
I was one of the four, I was one of, I was well I was one of the fourteen percent. Part of it is because like they are very clearly the underdog. Uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, of intuition going on there. They are they like you said they are uh, dumb mindless eating machines. But also part of it too was that I am team human. And now Cam, <laughs> you've made, you've made me feel like I'm the person who in a zombie apocalypse would not last very long because in my first encounter with a zombie, I will spend five minutes trying to find the humanity in that being and try to reason with them, and then it bites my arm off. Now, but the good thing is, but the good thing is you can have that five minutes to literally view them as they're coming towards you, take five steps back, and it'll take them at least 30 seconds to get you. So you're fine. <laughs> so you're, you're absolutely good. I mean, hey, well done, and then you can, you know, shoot them in the face. I mean, hey, you'll figure it out. So appreciate the human they used to be from a distance. Yeah, exactly. Okay. exactly. How does the Zombie Research Society define death of the zombie? Is it is it like like in Dawn of the Dead would say you have to shoot him in the head or decapitation, or is there is there somewhere is there another way you could? It's it is the ceasing of all brain function. So when you destroy the brainstem or you do massive trauma to the brain and it stops functioning, kind of like truly, if you think about death in general itself, when brain function ceases to exist. So, so, Cam, if if you were in a, in a situation, in a zombie situation, and you were with friends or family, and and one of them got bitten by a zombie and turned into a zombie, your best friend, your brother, your sister, somebody like that, would you immediately flip the switch and just to you, that's it. They're a zombie, or or would you? Would that be hard for you? Would you retain some affection for this being that you knew previously, and that still it looks like that? You know that they're a zombie now, or would you be instantaneously be able to say, you know what? They're the undead. That's it. I don't care if it was my best friend. So <laughs> much like, uh, and I keep, I love this. I love the movie references. Much like Shaun of the Dead where he takes um, Nick Frost and he locks him in the shed and he plays video games with him. Um, I think it honestly depends on what type of zombie we're talking about. Are we talking about the, you know, the, the harmless ones, you know, the, the meanders, the ones that don't bite? Or are we talking, you know, 28 days later, I'm going to rip your face off. Well, if it was 28 days later, I think the first thought that's going to go to my mind if a loved one get, got bit was, oh, this sucks. And then I'm not going to be next up on the table. So it sucks to be them. I mean, I say that now, but who knows when it would, you know, if it actually happened, I, I, I don't know what I would do. But in this, in this case right now, I'd be like, sorry, you gotta go. It's not gonna be me. Okay. So, so in the end, I did not know if the Zombie Research Society was an organization that was pro-zombie, that was trying to maybe like garner uh, a greater understanding of zombies. Is, is that, would that be a mischaracterization of the group to say, that the, the group is pro-zombie? Um, you know, I don't know. Yes and no. No, because uh, being pro-zombie, I mean, if you want to learn about anything, you've got to be pro a little bit. You know, if, if I'm going to be, you know, if I want to be a medical doctor, I've got to be pro-dead bodies and pro-diseases. It's just that's just the way it is. You have to have an interest. Uh, so <clears throat> do we want, does the, does the society want the world to be taken over as zombies? Let's be honest, everybody has a little bit in them that says, yes, this would be kind of cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, overall, I'm not going to say that we're all praying for the apocalypse. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, they're, they're not pro-zombie, but um, they, the society uses the zombie apocalypse for 
kind of the worst case scenario for, and it could be any scenario. Uh, if you look at, um, <clears throat> for instance, the CDC, right? A couple years back, uh, they always do the uh, the hurricane preparedness and the tornado preparedness kit, yada yada yada. Well, if you look at it, it's the exact same thing every year with minor changes. So I think one year back in 2015, uh, the site got, I don't know, like 150,000 hits for the, the kit. Well, the next year they switched it to the zombie preparedness kit, right? This thing was the same thing as the hurricane and the tornado, except this time it got over 800,000 hits. Wow. So, yeah, so the zombie apocalypse is more, more like a medium for any worst-case disaster that you can possibly think of. Because if you prepare for one, if you prepare for the zombie apocalypse, you're covered on all bases. Food, water, shelter, survival, medicine, weapon, all that stuff. Uh, so, in that sense, yeah. Yeah, they absolutely are. And, you know, then again, they absolutely aren't. It just depends on how you look at it and what categories you look at. All right, Cam. So, so when you are not talking about zombies, uh, just for your bona fides, you... You're working on your PhD, right? Yes, in epidemiology. Okay. Um, so, so how much is, is is are zombies just like uh, a hobby, or are they a true passion of yours, or how would you describe zombies in your life? Oh, I'd say I'd say they're a true passion. Um, I definitely say they're a true passion because uh, I really enjoy the science behind it and the culture. Because if you look at the the culture, especially it. it it takes a special kind of person like myself to really look at the undead going, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it just became, it became more than a hobby during the master's thesis I was talking to you about earlier. And when I interviewed um, Matt Moog from the, the, the founder of the ZRS, you know, that kind of sparked it because then I realized, well, damn, I could, I can, I can put the zombies into my thesis. And it actually got, I, got, I had like two full chapters into it. And it was all about, you know, the military response to a zombie outbreak. And, I mean, we had, I had three PhDs sign off on this to get it approved. I'm like, yes. And then the dean called me into his office and said, I need to talk to you about your thesis. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is, this is going really well. Um, so it then became more of that when I became part of the ZRS and became, and I realized that you could do so much more with the zombie craze than just kind of, you know, accept it. And then it's like, oh, it's just a phase or it's just a culture because it's not. Zombies are here to stay. Everyone loves it. I mean, the vampires are gone, the werewolves are gone, but the zombies are true and true. So I think I'm more of a zombie head than just just a hobbyist. But you know who's coming, man? The robots. The robots are coming. Westworld and all that stuff. The robots are uh, trying to shove the zombies out. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. It, it might happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, as I first said, well, it sucks for the zombies. They're not going to last long. Ken, what what is when you talk about? And I, I'm going to ask this and like try to not be a jerk because I don't mean to demean. You were working on your PhD, and there are other PhDs on this list of people on the board for the Zombie Research Society. They're obviously people who are much more intelligent than I am. When you talk well, about my too. <laughs> right, right. When you talk about this stuff and like your passion with people, what's the percentage of people that are on some level on board with what you all are talking about, and other percentage of people who are skeptical and think the thing oh, yeah. you are passionate about is like not real? Well, you'd be. I mean, so the one thing, the one thing I tell people is when I'm sitting at my computer some days, and they say, "What are you looking at?" I'm looking at articles on the ZRS. Like, What's the ZRS? It's at Zombie Research Society. I'm part of their board of advisors. They go, you what? <laughs> and, and so 
and, they, and, I, and I had to explain it to him. I said, yeah, I'm part of the Zombie Research Society. And once I began to explain it to him and I show him the website and, you know, or just a normal conversation, you know, they, most of them who were skeptical, and, I, and then I say to their face, I say, remember, they're not real yet. And what you don't know can eat you. <laughs> and then you have to you have to translate that into this could happen, but it's a worst case scenario. And it's amazing because the most skeptic people go, huh, that's not a bad re- that's not a bad reason. Okay, I'm on board with this. Let's take this down another. You know, let's go down the rabbit hole. And it actually becomes a much more you know intelligent conversation based, or you know, just then people going stupid, no, wrong. Uh, which I mean, hey. If people don't want to have fun in their lives, that's their choice. That's not my that's not my decision. Um, but I'd say I'd say eighty percent of people actually greet it with some kind of open mindedness. That's high. That's higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. which is good. It means eighty percent will be more prepared than the other twenty. He's yeah, exactly. he's Cam Carlson from the Zombie Research Society. Cam, um, we're going to stay alert here. We're we're already on alert for robots. Now we're going to be on alert for zombies as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to not have sympathy for them, and I think I cannot run them, so that's good. What's your question? Cam, I wanted, I wanted to ask you one more thing before before uh, you get out of here, and I'm, I want to ask you this as the expert that you are. Which Rank these three things in order of how likely it is they will happen. Uh, zombie apocalypse, uprising of sentient robots, and large-scale alien encounter. Uh, robots, aliens, zombies. Okay. So robots most likely, aliens second, zombies last. Okay. Yeah, because if anybody if anybody has an Apple iPad or a Mac or anything like that, they know that that's going to be the first takeover. Siri's going to become self aware, and we're all screwed. <laughs> and then anybody who's seen Independence Day knows that that's coming. So. And I tell you what, I see, and that's what I think. When <clears throat> when the robots start doing that. I think I want the zombies on my side. Like I'm gonna get, I'm gonna make friends with the zombies. I know everybody says they'll bite you and turn you into a zombie. I'm looking for any ally I can get against the robot uprising. That's humans, zombies, and aliens. That's the only way we can take the robots down is if we stick together. I highly suggest you do not watch the movie Transcendent. <laughs> Cam Carlson, thank you for your zombie expertise, man. This has been tremendous. Doug, Tim, Bill, I really appreciate all the uh, all the support, and I uh, appreciate talking to you guys. Good luck with your PhD. Thanks a lot, you guys. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cam. That was a lot of zombie knowledge. He was... I apologize for my disparaging comments at the beginning of the podcast about anyone who devotes their life to zombie research. Yeah. So, but, but, so he's not, he's more alert for zombies than pro zombies. That again, the zombie research society is not trying to, um, get zombies. They're not, they're not like zombie PR, which is maybe what I thought they were. They're more like, yo, Hey, 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 if you see a zombie, don't try to give it a hug because it will bite you. So where did you guys, I want to get to the poll. Who would you root for? And it's not like who you, who you thought would win. It's it's who you would be rooting for. Like, go zombies, go aliens, go robots. Tim, who did you vote for in the poll? Which group would you be rooting for? Zombies. T- and you voted for? Zombies. And I voted for zombies. And why did we vote for zombies? Because they're human. Because they're human. Is that why you <laughs> voted for zombies, Tim? Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick who would win, I would be torn between robots and aliens because if the aliens were the Independence Day robot, 
Independence Day aliens, it's no contest. But if if it's E.T., it'd be the robots every day. But I voted for zombies because if the zombies win, it'd be the easiest for us to just take care of them. Either, either we just mow them down or we let, which I looked up on their site, was called the Decay Theory, that zombies, like all of us, need sustenance. We need some sort of sus energy to live. For zombies, it's brains. And so one of two things would happen. One of three things would happen. Either we shoot them all in the head and burn them and then it'd all be done and we'd, we'd go on and celebrate with a couple beers or whatever. Number two, they would eat, they would cannibalize each other mm. because they realize that's their only food source. Mm-hmm. Or number three, they, like they're, since they're stupid, they meander around and then they just run out of energy and just collapse. See, I, I yeah. my vote was not based on who I thought humans could beat in the end. But it was based upon the idea that Bill Landis could one day be a zombie. Yep. And Bill Landis is never going to be an alien. But also, like, I don't want any part of Bill Landis' robot. Because within the decaying, rotting, brain-eating body of a zombie beats a human heart. Now, I guess it's not beating anymore because they're dead. But it once beat... And to me, what what has more humanity? Something that once was a human or something built by humans? Because there were some people arguing on Twitter, they want the robots. They would root for the robots because they see the robots as like the pinnacle of human achievement. And that if even if the humans are gone, if the robots are here, somehow that is we are like we are their gods. And the robots now exist here on Earth and we're all gone because they took over and got rid of us. But I don't see it that way. Like, do you? Would yeah. you guys view robots taking over the world as human achievement on some level and some connection to humans? No, no, I wouldn't. If that were to happen, I see Christian. All I see is Christian Bale gunning down cyborgs in T one thousands. So, so I don't see. I don't see the robots as an extension of us. I see the the dead former humans as a much greater extension. Of the human race, the rotting, decaying human race, then, hey, we put like a plastic thing. I mean, they had it on Silicon Valley the other week. They had like a robot. I was going to ask if, you've been up, if you're up to date on Silicon Valley because that's been the last two episodes. Did you watch that? Yeah. Freaked me out. Yeah. Like, were you like, oh, that robot girl is cute. I kind of want to get with her. No. Or did you just want to like rip her face off and throw her in a trash can? I don't understand. And like, it's a television show that's not real, but this has certainly happened in real, real life. We've seen it before. I don't understand. The human desire to create lifelike robots. Right. What's the point? But I think, but if I thought, if I knew that the zombie wasn't going to bite me, I would hug a zombie. They might smell. I'd hug a zombie. All right. That's what I wanted to do. It's about humanity. It's about the constant search for humanity, but also to give aliens a little 30 seconds. Aliens, we assume are going to come to kill us. But I think aliens could certainly exude a humanity that, again, I would rather have a, a different species or race of people that still, again, is is natural mm-hmm. than something that is is built, you know, that I could they relate could more very, to that. It could be very human-like yeah. and very relatable. Yeah, but I'd rather, I'd rather have a human-like alien than a human-like robot. For sure. Because, yeah... They're they're just the the um, highly functioning life forms from their own planet. Yeah, they're not man made in theory. Aliens, I mean, there's a robot planet somewhere. 
But th- but even but if there was a robot planet, somebody there would have had to have been someone there to build the robot. Because if the- who built the Transformers, then uh, the, tra- <laughs> the, the the Transformers are aliens. If you watch, they're alien robots, though. Yeah, they're alien robots. If you watch the movie Transformers, which I unfortunately have, and I am not proud of that fact that I've watched Transformers because I think those are terrible movies. First of all, all right. The first one's okay. The other ones are not worth your time. If you're concerned. Anyway. But they came from outer space. Yeah. But but here's my question. If something, if a robot was not built by another organism, is it a robot? Because to me, what a robot is, is something that was built by another living organism. So if the robot just appeared, then the, that robot is in that world human it's just a metal alien it's a metal it's a metal human <laughs> from another planet i there are i'm going to say 60% of the audience is like what is this are we done with the fast forward yet this is called an off season podcast <laughs> zombie humanity i could go i mean robot uh i would love it's about to, humanity i would love to get into a debate of who would win the transformers or the independence day aliens that is the podcast that tim's going to do when i'm on vacation <laughs> same <laughs> Landis, who's your number five Ohio State draft prospect? Oh, yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> uh, my number five draft prospect is Dwayne Haskins. He's on your list also, Tim? Yes. Why five, Landis? Uh, the four guys I have ahead of him I think are going to be, or in my head at the moment, are better NFL prospects. It goes back a little bit to we haven't seen a ton of him. Um, but we've seen enough, I think, to know that he is an NFL. Like He has the kind of arm that NFL teams are going to go nuts about. Like, even if you – there, I know there are people who are split on Burrow and Haskins. Like, we've seen enough NFL draft analysis to know what, that guys with crazy good arms get va- valued highly no matter what you think of them, Josh Allen. Um, yeah. And that's not – like, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be better than Josh Allen. But um, he has an NFL arm. I think he has an NFL arm. And that's so, like so I think – I mean, we all agree. I mean, the Dwayne Haskins evaluation is kind of there, right? Yeah. Talent hasn't had a chance to really show it yet. If you had to bet your life right now on what round Dwayne Haskins gets drafted in. Second. I think there's first round ability. I'll talk about it later. No. Answer the question. Answer the question. One. (laughs) Um, Boy. Bet your life. I mean, I think I think there's a chance that like he ends up as like a big arm guy who who still has a couple questions, um, like Cardale, like Christian Hackenberg, you know, like some of uh, yeah, but he, Christian Hackenberg is like big was body, non-functional at the end of his yeah. college career, but he also went in the second sack. round. He's got sacked so much. Yeah, I would say I would say second. I would I I couldn't hang it on first yet. I think it's all there. I couldn't hang it on first yet. Tim, who's your five? Draymond Jones. Um, we know Landis is going to have him on his list as well. Um, let's ma- let's let's make this the Draymond conversation. How sure are we that this guy is is going to be very interesting to the NFL? Is he like a lock? Yeah, I think so. I, I think his his decision to come back was uh, surprising, and we got a question about it. And I don't know, like someone asked about Draymond standing like within the next round of tackles in the draft and defensive linemen in the draft, which is it's like everyone on Clemson and then Nick Bosa. And Rashawn Gary, like, it's a really deep defensive line class, which maybe that means that perhaps Draymond's standing among overall defensive linemen would have been better in this year's draft than it will be in mm. next year's draft. Um, but I still think he's a first-round talent who's he's got 
defensive end measurables and the ability to play inside and outside at a very high level, and I think the NFL will love him. First round lock almost, Bielik? In this, it's hard to say a first-round lock in this coming class because you just mentioned this class is loaded. You forgot Ed Oliver, who who declared. I didn't forget Ed Oliver. I never forget Ed Oliver. Well, you didn't say him, Rashawn Gary. I mean, like there, there are. But but I also like I'm not 100 percent sure. I mean, I guess I guess like if there's if he's if Draymond Jones is the ninth best defensive line prospect. He can still go in the top 15. Yeah, but he also <laughs> like, might be like the second or third best defensive tackle prospect. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I just think it, I don't know how much of it to, st- I mean, I guess there's some teams that would just say, we don't need that, I guess. But, but I also think it might just be one of those years where it's like there are more defensive linemen drafted in the first round than ever. Mm-hmm. And Draymond Jones is like the fourth guy drafted at his position and like the 18th guy drafted overall. Yeah, I think that's very possible. Um, I, you want to know where I had him? Yeah, where do you have him? I have him third. Third. All right. So you have him third. You had no. Where'd you have Haskins? Five. Who's your four then? J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins is four. Tim had him six. Six. You think he's got Landis? You think he's got what he needs as an NFL guy? Pretty much right now. Uh, I mean, he's he'll be a sophomore, so maybe that's too strong to say. But I think. Yeah, I think he's a dynamic running back. He's he's got he can make plays horizontally. I think he's a good enough downhill runner. I think he'll be good in the passing game. He's built solidly. But when I first making the list, I was like, ah, oh, he's a kind of small. Like he's listed as five ten, I think. Yeah, he's listed at five ten, two hundred and twelve pounds. Two hundred and twelve pounds, I guess, is a little slight, but he'll be bigger than that by the time his career is over. I think he'll probably be like two twenty ish, two twenty five. I said it last year when we were watching him play, and part of it is based on size. Like he reminded me a lot of Doug Martin. Doug Martin mm. was a first round pick. Um, at the end of the first round. So, I, yeah. yeah, I think that J.K. Dobbins has the potential uh, to be a first-round pick, and I think he is close to being ready for the NFL. The guinea pig, they call him. The muscle hamster. Same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so Landis, five Haskins, four Dobbins, three Draymond Jones. Tim has five Draymond Jones. Tim's who's your four? Okuda. Okuda is your four. We had him six on Landis's list. Okay, so you just think... Again, there's a little bit of a, of a projection there, but he did play a decent amount last year. You just think it's there. Yeah, I mean, NFL teams love tall corners. I think Denzel Ward is the exception. A, a guy who didn't have prototypical height that was a number four pick. But tall corners, athletic, as long as production's there, he's going to go pretty quickly in his draft. Who's your three, Tim? Haskins. Haskins is your three, okay. Ooh. And I say that because of the way the NFL always pumps up quarterbacks. And looking at mock drafts, Depending on who you look at, Drew Locke from Missouri and Clayton Thorson from Northwestern are in the first round. That's my argument for Dwayne Haskins being number three. Yeah, it's just a very unfamiliar group of quarterbacks at this point. Justin Herbert, or is it Bear? Is he Bobby Bear's kid? Or is it Herbert? The Oregon quarterback is a guy who's way up there. Shea Patterson. I mean, there's a lot of of untested guys. So obviously, you guys, I think everybody would have the same top two. And I'm assuming... Number two is Drew Chrisman. <laughs> I will say this: I put like I just wrote down all the guys who I thought should be in the conversation, and I wrote down his name. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And Bill, I thought of you when I saw the punters go back to back in the. I think it was either the third or the fourth round when they went back to back. I thought of you. I I wasn't watching it, but I felt it. I felt it happen. Yeah. I'm, maybe I don't. Do you guys both have Chase Young second? I do. Yeah, but I. I think it's possible that it flip-flops by the time they're both ready to go to the NFL. Yeah. Because um, Bosa, and obviously everybody has Nick Bosa first. Uh, again, 
Adam Schefter tweeted right after the draft that he talked to two NFL personnel people who said Nick Bosa might be the number one pick next year. Um, I think it's a very similar evaluation on both of those. Just Bosa's a year older, has a year more of show and stuff. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's basically the same evaluation. Monster, athlete, and a, a monster athlete at a premium position who's being trained by a coach who makes you a technician and who has a history of sending guys to the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's a pretty easy formula. Yeah, and people, like, people aren't going nuts about Chase Young now with good reason. Um, when they start watching Nick Bosa, they're gonna be watching Chase Young, and that they'll be having the same conversation about Chase Young in two years. And I think when it comes to Bosa and Young, Schefter's report I, is pretty interesting to me. The probably the only thing that could possibly keep Nick Bosa and Chase Young in my mind in their drafts from possibly going number one is quarterback. That yeah. that was the only reason Joey Bosa, I think, went number three in his draft was because Jared Goff and Carson Wentz were one and two in a non-quarterback draft. Those guys could easily be number one, but if Clayton Thorson gets drafted ahead of Nick Bosa, I'm going to go burn down the NFL headquarters. You know what? I was going to say. <laughs> I think we need to get a little edgier with our uh, things that we guarantee. And so, since there's a thing out there where guys going to eat horse poop, I was thinking that we could make it. I was thinking this: what could? I was thinking Tim could guarantee something, and he would say, "I guarantee this will happen." Or I will eat a vegetable. <laughs> uh, I will take a bite out of a habanero pepper if Drew, if Drew Locke is picked above Nick Bosa next year. No, I want you to eat like a. I want you to eat like a whole stock of broccoli. Yeah. No, habanero, habanero pepper is technically a vegetable. Don't you want to make it painful? Yeah, I yeah, think, I think you, eating, you eating like a, a normal human-sized serving of broccoli <laughs> would be painful for you. Um, and I was going to say, like, I could eat like if if I'm wrong, if if Nick Bosa doesn't go in the top five, I will eat. Sour cream on a baked potato. Like, I want to eat, like, Alfredo sauce. I'll eat or, soft pretzels. <laughs> and so you and John Bosa just sit around and eat a big batch yeah. of soft pretzels. Um, there's a guy. So my list, I had six guys as possible first-round picks in 2019. Fuller, Haskins, Sheffield, Draymond, Bosa, Campbell. <clears throat> I had five guys on my list for 2000, for 2020. Dobbins, Okuda, Young, Jordan, and a guy that nobody mentioned. And I was a little surprised in the projection world. I was a little surprised nobody mentioned this guy's name at all. You said 2020? 2020. Jonathan Cooper? Nope. Mm. Premium position. Mm. Uh, Sean Wade? Nope. Premium position. It's not Pat Thayer Munford? Thayer Munford. Oh, yeah, that guy. Thayer yeah. Munford, Pace. He's on the team. who has never played and just got made the left tackle because he's so good. <laughs> so Thayer Munford starts at left tackle for two years at a place where left tackles are yep. probably next to cornerback in terms of being a position. He's a, We saw Jamarco Jones, I think, go later than we all thought. For sure. We, uh, I thought, I think I projected it. I think I got him in, in our draft. And I think I said, like, I picked like 69 or something. Yeah. And he went in the, in, he went in the fifth round. Yep. Um, that was, I think, purely athleticism and a lack of athleticism for Jamarco Jones. I think Thayer Munford, based on everything we've seen and heard, is a much better athlete than Jamarco Jones. Yep. And so if you are better I mean, size too, we, we can't, we can't compare Thayer Munford to Taylor Decker when, when Thayer Munford has never, 
started a game at Ohio State. But but if you think he's he gets back, he's a better athlete, and then he just plays the position. Um, I think he gets back into that range of Mike Adams was a second round pick, Jack Muhort was a second round pick, Taylor Decker was a first round pick, and I think I think Thayer Munford gets added to that conveyor belt. And just like I said with Okuda, I'll be shocked. It's not quite as shocking for Munford, but I'll be surprised if something happens on the conveyor belt between now and when he goes to the draft, whether it's as a junior or as a senior, and he's not a very highly thought-of prospect, and that could still mean third round or whatever, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. I guess in hindsight, I should have thought. Because if you do project him as a two-year starting left tackle, which it seems like that's what he's going to be, then that makes perfect. That's the progression. That's what you expect. Um but again, he just fell into the category of guy that I, I need to see him do it first. And the, the one guy that neither of you mentioned, and I just want to talk about, and then we'll get to questions. And then we'll get to the recruiting, and then we'll get to questions. Um, did you give any consideration in your top ten to Mike Weber? I was just thinking that. Uh, I, again, I had like a pod of guys. He was in that pod, but no. He would be in kind of that next five to ten yeah. guys. I think I think if he comes out next season, he'll he could be a guy that sneaks in late in day two. He will he'll get drafted, I think. Especially like if he's I don't know. They say he's as fast as J.K. Dobbins. And if that's true, then he'll definitely get drafted. As long as he stays healthy in the hamstring that bothered him last year is not a, a recurring thing. Yeah. If I said to you that uh in the twenty nineteen draft Mike Weber will be a third-round pick. Does that sound crazy to you, or does that sound like that could happen? Sounds like it could happen. I agree. Okay. All right. I think it's a. there's a group. There's a group there. Uh, I'm finishing this story still. I'll tell you guys, because I can't – I'm not going to be able to write it with 100% authority. I think it's very possible that Ohio State's 2013 recruiting class is the first class to ever produce any recruiting class anywhere to produce six first-round picks. So, um, but the other point, and I'm writing this, is that there have been, there are only, guess so there were six first round picks from the 2013 recruiting class. Guess how many overall draft picks there were without looking from the, the famous heralded 2013 recruiting class of Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, and everybody else. Nine. Fourteen. Eight. Six first rounders. And Von Bell. And Taekwon Lewis as second rounders. No third round. Nobody in the third through seventh. Oh, right, right, right. The whole rest of that group didn't get picked. Like Jalen Marshall, when he came out, didn't get picked. JT Barrett didn't get picked. Dontre Wilson. Didn't get picked. Marcus Baugh didn't get picked. Like, it is just a list of guys. There are Ohio State recruiting classes that produced double-digit draft picks all over the place. The 2014 class... I have math somewhere. I think is either already has or is going to have more right more draft picks. They already have two, four, five, six. They already have nine. Yeah, McMillan, Lattimore, Samuel, Jamarco, Holmes, Hubbard, Noah Brown, and Hooker. I got and Campbell's in that class. Um, Dante Booker's in that class. That's nine already. The 2014 class produced more draft picks than the 2013 class. Crazy. Which is crazy. But it's just they the they had 2014 class has two ones, two twos, a three, a four, a five, and a seven. And that other group, all those other guys who might have been picked, they just never got picked. Yep. <clears throat> Fascinating. Let's talk recruiting. 
since we're talking recruiting. Recruiting. Uh, on the list of Urban Myers, let's use the phrase most important recruits. And I'm not asking you to rack your brain and, and you guys haven't covered the entire Meyer era. And I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But just knowing, having the general knowledge. I'm not going to ask for a number, but how important is Garrett Wilson to Urban Meyer in the history of Urban Meyer's recruiting at Ohio State as a five-star receiver from Texas? It's pretty important. Uh, for There's layers to it, like you just alluded to. The fact that, and again, we always talk about like the secret sauce in Ohio State recruiting is that there's always a connection. And Garrett Wilson is a five-star from Texas who was born in Dublin, Ohio, and when he committed said, I'm coming home. So I think that probably lessens a little bit like how impressive it is to pull a kid from Austin, Texas, when Tom Herman has Texas rolling the way it is. Still impressive, but a little, little bit less so being the kid's actually from Ohio. But even with that said, um, like I think among the most important he's had, not the most important, um, which I think is probably too early to say anyway, even if I thought that was the case, but I don't think it is. Um, but he is, we always talk about like, um, I don't know, I think when people think about Ohio State's inability to attract like top flight receivers, we have a, a specific size in mind when we say that. And Garrett Wilson's only six feet tall, um, but he is a stud Receiver, I encourage you to go watch his uh, junior year highlight tape from Lake Travis. The catches he makes are ridiculous, and I think Tim put it in the thing that he wrote about what Hank Carter thinks of Garrett Wilson, the head coach at Lake Travis, thinks of Garrett Wilson as a prospect. Um, we saw the Baker Mayfield thing, how impressed Baker Mayfield was with him. He is a stud receiver, the best one he's ever been assigned at Ohio State, and I was looking back at his Florida classes. I think he's the fourth best in Urban Meyer's career receiver he has ever signed. Tim, does it look like a guy when you look at his film? And you talk to Hank Carter about it, which you did. Does this seem like a guy who gets on the field early at Ohio State? Yes. And when you ask about importance, I don't know if you could ever consider April must-get territory, but this was as close, I think, this year in particular to a must-get. Because after Garrett Wilson, there's just you have to go to a second-tier receivers. He's that last guy in this tier. And I'll read a quote specifically that Coach Carter gave me. About a week ago, he said, quote, I don't think I've ever coached a kid with all the skills that Garrett has. Jumping ability, his length, the way that he can catch the ball and manipulate his body. To me, he's kind of in a little little bit of a class all to his own, close quote. And that's at a Texas powerhouse. Yeah, multiple state championships. They, they won one two years ago. They played for another last season. I mean... He had a catch in that game that was unbelievable. Yeah, you watch the highlight film. He's not the fastest guy, but the way he... He's just so fluid... As fluid an athlete as I think I've seen in a long time, he just does crazy things with his body as far as, you know, makes moves in the open field. And, again, there's a segment in the penultimate episode of Beyond Baker, behind Baker, excuse me. And here's a quote. Here's quotes going back and forth. Baker Mayfield saying, I don't think Lake Travis has ever had a specimen like that. And Carter responds, I've never seen it. I've never even coached against another one like him. Is... It, it feels to me like he might be like what, what a lot of people thought Trayvon Grimes was going to be when he got here. Yeah. That he's like a – again, we keep talking about – Bill, you've written about it a lot. All the athletes they get at receiver um, that are sort of learning the position when they get here. But like a ready-made guy. And maybe Jalen Harris is that guy. Maybe somebody else in, in the last recruiting class turns into that. But, but, but if – 
they need it's just it, in talking about all these draft picks and all these at cornerback and and defensive line and offensive line and you just we don't talk about it at receiver even michael thomas was like a weird kind of backdoor recruit of like he's from california and and he he came like was here like in the interim like with mm-hmm. fickle and then went to prep school for a year whatever that's and then they developed like he became this thing but there wasn't that wasn't like oh boom 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 like they've yeah. done at so many other positions get a great recruit develop him turn him into an nfl stud they've done it at all these positions they have not done it at receiver to that level in the urban meyer era and it just feels like okay when you get a kid like this maybe that's what you're talking about and if do you think if this kid is ready bill tim said it do you agree he can play quick yeah, I, th- I think that's the plan. Look at the roster. Uh, I just had the scholarship chart up. Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, Terry McLaurin are all definitely gone. They're all seniors. If K.J. Hill, who is a fourth-year junior, leaves and if Austin Mack leaves, I don't think either of us would think any of us would think that's crazy. So you're talking about losing five of your top six receivers, and your returners are Benjamin on the outside would be Benjamin Victor, Jalen Harris, and then a bunch of guys in this coming freshman class. So I think he can play, and I think he will have to play which is why it was imperative that they go out and get a receiver that's this good in this recruiting class. Okay. Let's talk about the quarterback who might be coming. Um, Grant Gannell, how good is this kid? He looks – I mean, he <laughs> – his passing numbers are ridiculous. He, I think by, by the time he, – he plays at St. Pius the 10th in Houston, Texas, and by the time his career is over, I believe he will hold the Texas State record for career passing yards. Um, in the last – uh, two seasons he has thrown for nearly 5,000 yards, 4,936 and 61 touchdowns last year, 4,973 and 65 touchdowns the year before that. Um, now he plays in a very wide open offense and they chuck the ball all over the place. Um, so like the numbers are inflated because of that. He's certainly not going to put up the same kind of numbers at Ohio State. Um, but he is like the, I don't know, what you think of, I think when you think of like a big arm Texas quarterback who wants to come and throw it all over the field, he's that guy. He's six foot six. He's a different profile physically than anyone they've recruited at the position. Um, and I think him and Dwayne Haskins are kind of alone in the Urban Meyer era as this, like, top-level passers that Ohio State, with, like, good mobility, but certainly not runners that Ohio State has recruited. And he's coming off an official visit over the weekend, and, like, 247 crystal ball uh, predictions are rolling in for him to go to Ohio State. Um, and it seems like Ohio, in a year where the quarterback crop on the whole is not very good, um, they are going to get a quarterback who is a borderline five-star prospect and a top 100 national player from Texas. What should Grant Gannell tell us about Dwayne Haskins? And what should it tell us about where Urban Meyer is in his evolution as an offensive coach? Because we are sitting here trying to analyze a quarterback competition and wondering if the big arm throwing guy might somehow be held back because Urban Meyer is just more comfortable with a quarterback who can run. And that's Joe Burrow and that's Tate Martell. And now we're talking about if Dwayne Haskins is a big arm guy, and, and they keep saying things, well, he's a good athlete and he can run some or whatever. A six six kid who's chucking it all over the field? Like if he's if if they are not committed, is like is this does this mean Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback? If this is the guy who's on their radar, does this alleviate any final fear of, I just don't know if Urban can let go of the running quarterback? If they're out doing this, does that mean, yeah, for the right guy, we can let it go? 
Gannell's going to be the right guy, and Haskins right now is the right guy. This is evolving. Uh, I I think it says more about the evolution of the offense than it necessarily says about this year's quarterback competition because I've said it before that I think the offense will function in much of the same way, whether it's Haskins or Burrow at quarterback. I think, again, you'll see more quarterback run with Burrow because he's better at it than Haskins. But both of these guys are throwers on the level that I think the offense goes in that direction either way. Um, but this is, this is, I think, the answer to the question that I've asked a couple different ways to try to get an answer from Urban Meyer and Ryan Day that they don't seem very comfortable asking about have their priorities when recruiting the position changed. And um, I think that Grant Gunnell is proof that they are slash have, even if they won't say it. Are they going to get this kid? I think so. I think at this point it'd be an upset if they didn't. So give me the projected... 2000, and this, so this kid will be in the 2019 recruiting class. And it's what year is it right now? 2018. It's 2018 right now. Give me the 2019 Ohio State quarterback depth chart Dwayne Haskins, Tate Martell, Grant Cannell, Matthew Baldwin. Okay. Those are the four guys. Yep. Where's Baldwin? In the runner thrower dual threat mix, more of a thrower. He's like he doesn't he is like built kind of similar similarly to Gunnell, not as tall, um, but and I think like plays in much of the same way. Like good strong arm plays in an offense where he's a distributor and racked up crazy stats, but certainly more of a thrower than he is a runner. <clears throat> there is a world. There's there's a world and. In, in, We've had a million quarterback podcasts, but there is a world in which Joe Burrow leaves now, Dwayne Haskins is awesome, and the 2019 quarterback depth chart is Tate Martell, Matthew Baldwin, and Grant Gannell fighting to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. 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 Yep. Grant, six foot six Grant Gannell and five foot six Tate Martell couldn't be more different. No. In the same quarterback room yeah. in a quarterback battle. Not that they would probably start a true freshman if they had other options, but this is a big. This is a. They've swung and missed on some quarterbacks in this class, right? I think for a while, Gunnell has been their top target. Really? They're, yeah, I think uh, there are other names, and we've listed them. But there was a time where we thought it was Grant Tisdale, who's also from Texas. He's from Allen, Texas, who fits the the mold that you would expect Urban Meyer to recruit. Much more of a runner than he's a thrower. He's not very polished as a passer. Um, but then they kind of trended away from him. He has since committed to Ole Miss. Uh, there are other guys, and there was a mix of styles in there, I think. Um, but Gannell, I think, for the last few months, even when some of those guys weren't committed, was still their top target. What's his 247 ranking? Grant Gannell. Yeah. He, he is the number 96 overall player in the country and the number three pro-style quarterback, four-star prospect. Is he a guy who could pull the trigger soon? Uh, so... No, I don't think so. I think like within the next month, like I don't, I would be surprised if it happened in the next week or so. I think within the next month, um, I'm trying to think, I want to give the right person credit that I, where I read this. Um, I believe it was Andrew Lind, I think at 11 Warriors had some quotes from someone who was close to him and said that Gunnell, uh, is about to start spring practice and then is competing to be in the elite 11 and like wants to focus on that and won't be making his decision until after that. So that's like the beginning of June. Okay. By the way, my math was bad. The 2014 class has eight so far. It doesn't have more than 2013, but it has the same amount. Uh, eight with 
Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, Demetrius Knox, Terry McLaurin. Still to come. Certainly Campbell will add to that. All right. What do we got from the peoples? All right. Well, I put out the call for questions, and today people have responded. And so. he's the love guru. Yes. Um, do oh, we, we do a review, too. Do we want to start? Oh, yeah. I'll pull that up. The podcast review? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got one. Uh, we don't have any new ones from last week, so I'll go back to one we did not read. This is from April. We don't have any new ones? No. Well, we didn't tell people to do them, so we got to oh, tell them to do man. them. Send us reviews next time, and I'm also disappointed we still have no new suggestions for our five-star review of the week's uh, format. We ha- I offer- I asked people it's to... Garrett guess- Wilson five-star review of the week. Yeah. Yes, so... This one is from April 19th from Hook'em for Life, and it says, the title is SOS from the SEC. I'm a college student at an SEC school. Yes, it is, a, it is a, as obnoxious as it sounds, and need a weekly break from the monotonous droning on about SEC football, and this podcast does the trick. Whoop. Although I started listening towards the end of the season, meaning I've got no clue how this podcast is during the season, I still would suggest this to any and all Buckeye fans. Even though I'm only 20, and I still feel like the three of you, okay, mostly Bill, can relate to pop culture, which is quite entertaining. Come on, hook him for life. I think I'm pretty hip with pop culture. Migos! Anyway, (laughs) overall, this podcast is great. Good work, fellas. Thank you, hook him for life. It's good to know we have geographical reach. Cardi B, also a thing. Well, last week we also talked to a guy who's from Jake Fromm's hometown, so that's two reviews from SEC territory. We're, we're penetrating SEC country. That's good. Uh, all right, what's the question? All right, I will start. Uh, do we want to start with the love guru question? Or... We do. Yep. All right, this is the only one I think specific love guru when Bill kind of called me that. Chase Richardson, our boy, at Chase Care 19 Tim, where should I take my girlfriend for her birthday? Um, okay. Now, I've done this before, taking my girlfriend to a birthday dinner. I'm going to miss her birthday because we will be in Arlington for TCU, so I unfortunately will miss my fiancé's birthday. She can get a credential. Uh, We'll see about that. Um, I would say go something simple like Olive Garden. I don't think it's a place you can go wrong, and it's going to be quality almost every time, whether it's food or service. They go out of your way to take care of you, and... Who turns down opportunities for those breadsticks when they're presented? I feel like Olive Garden is the place you go like when you're in high school and you're going on your first date ever with somebody. <laughs> I Chase, love Olive Garden. Chase is a grown man. Well, Plus Olive- he's down. I know I know Chase. He's down to Fort Myers, Florida. Take her to a nice beach bar and get hammered. Or if you, <laughs> or if you really want to impress her, go to a Brazilian steakhouse. If you have money to burn, go to a Brazilian steakhouse. You will have a good time. Uh, he might not be 21. I think he's 21. I think he just turned 21. Yeah. Because he said, because who just turned, Denzel Ward just turned 21. And uh, and Chase said, like, I'm turning 21. And I said, what are you doing with your life, Chase? Denzel Ward's a first-round pick. I think Chase is going to grad school. Yeah, he's not a first-round pick, though. He's a first-round pick on Buckeye Talk. That's right. We should do that. I swear to God, when we are completely bereft of ideas this summer, <laughs> we will do a draft of Buckeye Talk listeners. And your hearts will break. Your <laughs> hearts will break. Sneela, if you're not a first-round pick, your heart will be ripped in two. G. Nilly? G. Nilly? Especially after he went out of his way to make a robot Buckeye talk. Cynical Negro? I'm trying to think who are our guys. Is somebody, he get busy? If somebody drafts the little Drizzy? ahead of me, I'm going to scream. Uh, I think, you know how, like, back in the old days, like, Wilt Chamberlain... Uh, 
like got put on the Sixers because he was from Philly. Like yeah. you might just get Delillo. He's yeah. just your guy, man. I've been told uh, Ari Wasserman has been in the same room as Doug Delillo before. I have not. Although I guess Ohio Stadium probably counts. But I've been told we kind of look alike. Yeah, yeah. Now that might be. I'm trying to think. I don't want to leave anybody out. Who who was uh, Nikki Unders? Right, that's a good one. We we yeah. got our guys. We we love you. Um, if I tried to take my wife to anywhere but. Red Lobster on her birthday, she would shiv me. Cheddar so, Bay Biscuits. Yeah, Cheddar Bay Biscuits. We only eat them like once a year. We eat them while we go for her birthday and for Mother's Day. Never had them. Never been to a Red Lobster. You've never had the biscuits? You're just like dropping biscuit knowledge and you've never had them? I know they're good, but I have a thing about seafood. I don't eat it unless I can see the ocean. Oh, yeah. No, I get chicken <laughs> when I go. <laughs> but it's worth it for the biscuits. All right. What's up? Do, you have a, do you have a football question? Yes. I'm actually, it's actually a good recruiting question from Robbie Strzok. Asks, have you also got- on the draft. He'll be in the draft. Yes. Yeah. He asks, have you guys noticed any changes after the new recruiting rules, especially since we've seen some commitments recently? I, I, the, big, the big answer I give to you, Robbie, is it kind of plays into the strategy of official visits during the spring game. Urban Meyer only took official visits from guys he thought were close to committing. Garrett Wilson is a, example number one. Harry Miller, decision could be coming soon. Ohio State is in the running for him. Could be example number two. Seems like a guy who wants to decide pretty quickly. But let me ask, let me ask this. So Garrett Wilson made an official to Ohio State for the Ohio State spring game, and then did he take an official to Texas? Yes. Yeah. So he, in the old rules, where you couldn't take an official till what, after September 1 of your senior yeah. year, would Garrett Wilson not be committed? Uh, Yeah. Prob- I don't know. I mean, he, he could have just taken unofficial visits to both places and made up his mind, I guess. Um, But I think that's possible that he wouldn't have been committed. Because at this point... There was no reason for him not to commit because once you go on your officials and you already have a decent idea of things, like you're, you've gathered everything you're going to gather. Yeah. So, so if 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 you're a kid who is, uh, and I, we can probably get it check on this, but but I don't think it doesn't make sense to take your to take official visits in the spring to places you're really considering, and then not commit until the fall. Yeah, and I think there are some kids who want to do that, but to Tim's point, I think Ohio State, as much as it can, would like to avoid that scenario. Because they don't want, and I think Urban Meyer has said this, they don't want to bring you in in April and then not be able to bring you in again. Right. It's like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. So. They either want to, if you're coming in April, they want to seal the deal with you. Yeah. And like, you're ready to go, we're going to lock it down now, come get all your information and make a decision. Or wait. Yeah. Okay. Which is an interesting strategy because I think when, when this rule passed, I think a lot of us thought, well, oh, this is good for Ohio State because we know what the weather can be like here in December and January, and you get to bring kids on campus in April, May, and June when it's certainly much nicer, and that can give you like a different perspective of Ohio State's campus. And I think it's easy to like fall into that trap if you're a Midwestern program that has to deal with real winters. Um, but I do think it's a smart play on Ohio State's part to just not bring in any kid who wants to come in. Right. Because of the timing of things. I do think, but it's always been weird to me. There have certainly been kids in the past who committed to Ohio State early, committed in the spring, before they could officially visit, and then you end up coming on your official visit like as, as a, a committed commit. recruit. Yeah, and that'll still happen. It's just... But but if you're... But, like, you end up pulling the trigger, because I know you can do an unofficial stuff, but your official visit's different. That's when everything happened, all right? That's the that's that's yeah, that's the red carpet. Yeah. So so you end up making a decision, and of course it's non-binding. So I mean, like you could back out, and you could still, but but the idea of like you know what, if you want to go early, 
we can give you all the information early. I think that's good. Yeah, I think it's good too. All right, this one from Alan Kitchen at also a, in the draft at a Kitchen eighty seven. Do you guys get the sense that this is a defining year for this program? I feel they really need to show the college football world that they can still compete with the elite, or they will begin to fall off as far as national perception, recruit per- perception, etc. No. Um. Yeah, maybe I I I get it. I think like Alabama's still up there, and like Georgia's coming, and I think Clemson has passed Ohio State, and there's like a there's an interesting struggle going on there. But like in 2014, I think, and we talked about this before. I think we thought the 2014 was like, okay, it's Ohio State and Alabama. Let's do this for six years, and that's not what happened. And we're only three years removed from that, so I don't want to like, I don't want to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Overstate that. Um, but I do think that Ohio State is sort of like fighting for for footing at the top again with Georgia, with Clemson. I don't know Oklahoma maybe we'll see how much staying power they have now that Baker Mayfield's gone. But I think there's a there's a battle going on there. My no is predicated on the idea that they need to make. I mean, okay, let me back up and say this: every year's a big year. Ohio State can win the national championship every year, just like Alabama can win it every year. And I think Clemson and Georgia are now at that level where you can win it every year, where it's like you don't have to gear up for anything. Some programs is like, ooh, you say like, oh, I can see it coming two years from now. Like there's yeah. – like we can, we've talked about that in the past, and then we've talked about how like every time you thought they were gearing up, they were better the year before. You know, the 15 year was the gear up year. They won it in 14. Then they had all these young guys in 16, and they got back to the playoff. And then 17, they had all these fifth-year seniors, and they didn't make the playoff. At Ohio State, there's no gear up. Every single year, they could win the national championship. Every single year, they could go to the playoff. But here's why I'm a no. They need to make hay with this 2017-2018 recruiting class. The 2017 recruiting class, we said a million times, best Ohio State recruiting class ever. Then the 2018 class was better, right? This is not the best year to do that. This is the 2017 guys are sophomores and the 2018 guys are freshmen. So to me, this is not the year to say this is it. You've got to do it. Because actually, there are a – it is not a huge number of guys who are going to be huge contributors on this 2018 team that aren't going to be back next year. Now, Nick Bosa would lead that list. Parrish Campbell, all the receivers, right? Mm-hmm. Up. But really, when you think about it, they are, they're not going to have holes blown in this roster by the departure of guys after this year. So I do not view 2018 as this. I think in 2019 or 2020, I would view that more so. Now, we've said this. We had a podcast where we all three predicted they would win the national championship. Mm-hmm. And guys can go early. I know that Dwayne Haskins leaves early, and all. But I'm just telling you, when when we to me that 2017 recruiting class was different, and the 2018 recruiting class backed it up. This is not the year for them. Those 2017 guys who were sophomores now could play a huge role here, but they all have to come back, and they're going to be supported by all these 2018 year kids who are here now and and aren't going to do a ton of things right now. But Tommy Togiai is going to be a beast in 2019. After Draymond Jones leaves, Tommy Togia is going to be a monster. 
Teron Vincent's going to be a monster. After um, some linebacker leaves, like Tarada Mitchell's going to be a monster. Kayvon Pope's right. They're coming. They're here. It's not as much as we said they could win the national championship this year. I am not couching 2018 as a they've got to do it now year. And and if you're saying because well they're going to fall out of the national spotlight and all that, you know, listen, they won it in 14. They were one of the four best teams in 15 and didn't make it. They made the playoff in 16, and they were one of the four best teams in 17 and didn't make it. So it's like the last four years, they've been one of the four best teams. They just only happened to get in the mix of the four best teams two out of four times. I mean, this is not like a, if Ohio State doesn't do it, they're going to be like drop a level. I don't no, I don't, I don't think like I – I don't think at all that they're in, in jeopardy of falling out of the spotlight. Like they're very much still in the spotlight. But I think there is still a separation from one and one's Alabama and then everybody else. And I feel like Ohio State standing among everybody else, and we're talking like three, four, five programs tops, has fallen maybe a little bit. And to answer that question myself, I would say no. I would agree with Doug that college football so yearly, and when you get to playoff, it's so random that really anything can happen. So... That answers, though. I'm going to go with a couple from Doug DeLillo. Oh, boy. First round pick. All right. We'll start with the football one. He's back to recruiting. He, gets, he asks, is there a more OSU gets him recruit than Gary Wilson? Just seemed like such a kid OSU would get no matter that he lived in Texas now. I would say no, because they already got that guy earlier in the day, and that was Cade Stover. Yeah, like the kid who carried hay bales in his commitment video from like an hour away from here, I guess. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he also had the Ohio State flag on his tractor as he drove away. I think that I wrote, obviously I was busy on Sunday right after the draft. The Lowell even said like, it's Saturday night, man, go take a break. Um, where I said that when in terms of case over, it was always a when, not an if. Mm-hmm. I know he took the official visit to Oklahoma and I'm sure that concerned people, but really, he was he was pretty much a lock to Ohio State. It's just a matter of when he was going to commit and put himself into this class. I think in terms of guys who aren't from Ohio, the answer to that question is yes. For like what we said earlier, he's from he's from Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Now this is semi food, semi film. He asks you. Mm. This is particularly directed to me, I believe. You are a big movie guy. It seems. Are you into the Marvel flicks? Doug seems like he would hate seeing movies in the theater. Am I right? What is your guys' go-to movie snack? He's so wrong about Doug. Bad read. That is a that's a terrible read. I would go. I would pay ten dollars to go sit in a dark room and eat a bucket of popcorn. I don't even care if there's a movie playing. <laughs> but I enjoy movies. I see every animated movie that comes out. I just don't get to see adult movies. But like the rest of the world, I thought Black Panther was like Films unbelievable. Marketed toward older people. Not adult films. Oh, no, I like those too. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, you know, I like, uh, I like thrill. I don't like thrillers. I like, like, movies that make you think. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big action movie guy, but I like, a, I like a good movie with two naked people in it. That's a good movie. Yep. Um, so, listen, no, but I do. I love movies. I love movies. I just don't get to see them. Wait till you have kids, Delillo. You won't get to go see them either. I got a whole rack. Like a whole, like I like like Vanilla Sky, like 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 which was like from fifteen years ago, but it's like it makes you think. People know it because Kanye rapped about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like Kanye. He's weird. Yeah. Uh, Inception, like, the stuff you're saying today, like Inception and that kind of thing. Like that's yeah. my kind of movie. I want to go see. I've heard people say that the 
uh, Jim from the Office whispering movie is really good. I've oh, heard yeah. great things yeah. about that, but I got nobody to see scary movies with. That's the only thing is I need people who will go see scary movies with me. If you're one, I may have interest in seeing a scary movie with you. Hit we, me up on Twitter. After we, this. we may have a Buckeye Talk scary movie meetup with Tim Bielek in Columbus. I, I would be I down be for that. And to answer Doc's to answer Dolo's question, I'm actually not big on Marvel. Like, I really don't have interest in seeing Avengers: Infinity War. I re- honestly don't. I I saw Black Panther and it was great. I enjoyed it. Infinity War just doesn't sound like a movie. Like, doesn't sound like something you're interested in. Maybe it's oversaturation of stars that they have like 700 A-list movie actors in the movie. That's just too much to follow. I think in my mind. But, I saw it. It was alright. And to answer his last question. It's got to be popcorn as your go-to snack. Do you put candy in your popcorn? Huh? I mean, you guys know, like, people... I've heard of the idea, like, you would pour M&M's or something on there, yeah. and then the chocolate melts. But yeah. then then you would get into a situation, I would feel like, where you have to eat using utensil to eat. You guys are acting like we're turning lead into gold. You put M&M's in the popcorn. You guys have never heard of that? I've You've known. heard of it. You have no knowledge of this at all. Nope. You put the M&M's in the popcorn, and then they melt, and then it's like you have chocolate-covered popcorn. But you also have never eaten anything coated on popcorn other than butter. Correct. I love movie popcorn with butter on it. Makes me sick. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, yeah, popcorn. Yeah. Pretzel nuggets sometimes. I don't understand that people who go and like, oh, I'm going to get the cheeseburger. Like, I I would never do that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) If if you go to Easton, the AMC, I love how they do this. They have popcorn laid out. In almost like a grab-and-go style versus you grab it and then you wait for the person to scoop it up for you. What do you think about that? It's like buffet style, right? And then you pay after you pick it up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. confusing to me. Yeah. It. I did that for, I think, Star Wars The Last Jedi was the first movie I saw at Easton. And it fascinated me that, like, this has never been done. I've never seen this happen before. So we go to the movie theater where we get the popcorn and we get the big giant popcorn that's refillable. You can get as many refills as we want. Yep. We go to the four of us as a family. And then we bring three other containers in my wife's purse. It's just an empty bowl. And then we share the giant thing of popcorn oh, oh, among oh. four people. Okay. And then we end up getting, like, three buckets of it. We'll refill it two more times. And so then all of a sudden, your giant, like, $12 popcorn is feeding four people yeah. the whole movie. I was confused. I thought you were saying that you purchase one popcorn tub, but then somehow fill up five for the price of one. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. But it's just we have our own container, so we're not trying to reach and grab, and everybody gets their own little bucket. That's smart. Yeah. Could yeah. you do that? I wonder if you went to... The theater and said, like, can I have a tub of popcorn and then four extra bags? Would they give it to you? Probably not. That's messed up. I feel like I might get arrested for revealing that by the movie police. I'm sorry. All right. I got some from Tyler Shoemaker. I'll go with the football. Oh, Tyler Shoemaker. I'll go with the football question first, and then we'll get into steak talk. Because me, myself, Tyler, and Alan, we all had a steak debate back and forth a little bit about... You know, talking steak. So I'll get to the football first from Tyler Shoemaker at Buckeye Talk, Buckeye Tie 23. Do you think a delayed quarterback decision would lead to division within the locker room and or lessen the trust other players have with the coaching staff? Hmm. I think you risk it. I think you risk factions. I think you risk my guy kind of stuff if you wait. Um, everybody wants to win. Um... I just think I think quarterback uncertainty is never good for any team yeah. ever. 
So it's not like this team is any more likely to be divided by an uncertain quarterback situation than another team, but it's just, I think it's, I think it's just the reality. I think there might've been guys who wanted Dwayne Haskins last year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Urban never wavered on that, but yet they're even after the Oklahoma game is like the media we create, you know, we asked about it. Um, so I just think it's good for everybody when like a guy wins it and it's like, he's the guy. So it's the same thing with the Browns. It's like, I just, to have a guy that the whole program can fall in line behind, I just think is better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think clarity is important. But I don't know, like, delaying the decision, I think, like, the decision more than the timeline of it, I think, is is what can create friction and factions in the locker room. But, like, I, I, again, I don't, I don't see any problem with stretching the thing out until the second or third week of training camp. As, again, as long as you're doing right by Joe Burrow and, like, everyone is a willing participant. But I think it would not be good to stretch it out to the TCU game. Correct. Now it's a part two of Tyler Shoemaker's question. And it's almost fitting he asked this because it's the warmest day of the year, I think, today, at least of 2018. It got into the 80s. He asks, gas or charcoal for grilling out? Also, burgers or dogs? And then Alan Kitchen responded, you're asking this of the men that like well done steak. Mm. And then I responded to him, to be fair, and I will address this on the podcast, but I don't like well done steak. Tyler, again, I'm with you, medium for me. I say good choice. And Alan Kitchen's like, sorry, Tim, I shouldn't lump you in with those heathens. Mm. But You've to, been lumped. But to answer that question, I'm, I know I'm... Do you have a grill? I do not have a grill. Do you have a grill? I do. Okay. Do you, Might you buy a grill? Uh, may consider it. I don't really have a space to grill, though, is a thing. Okay. There's always room for a foreman. Well, I have I have a foreman, but I mean, as far as like you know, a little like just yeah. metal pit that you could throw charcoal in. I kind of like charcoal better because there's something natural about burning charcoal and you know grilling on it. I think that's something that's like tried and true. You know where charcoal comes from, and the Earth, West Virginia. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> to both of those both of those answers, and especially barbecue you know you talk you know, want to cook over charcoal you cooked over wood you want to you got to clean charcoal that's the that's the answer of a person whose dad has grilled for them yep what do you have a what do you have gas or charcoal gas yeah clean that stuff up i'm not cleaning up a charcoal pit cuz what cuz it tastes a little smokier the hell with that no charcoal charcoal is fine i'm too lazy for charcoal yep. and i think you are too you are a theoretical charcoal practicing gas guy. Theoretical charcoal, practicing gas. Okay. Well, my dad... And this is not I, a theoretical my question. Dad had a, my dad has a gas grill, so... So, so where do you get your... Tro- you just think... You just I think like in the, your imaginary... It's like, I'm out in the woods. Tim thinks, I'm out in the woods and I'm charcoaling. You're going to catch yourself on fire. No. No. And I know... All the tried and true grillers are listening to this and getting angry, but I'm not that. I'm not a tried and true griller. I'm like a throw a thing on for five minutes at seven o'clock on a Tuesday in June. Yeah. Not charcoal. Yep. And so to the second part of the question, burgers or dogs? I go burgers. 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 All right. We're in unison. And I, well, we can end with a Chase Richardson four pack. We almost we'll have to do all four. All right, we'll so sure we we'll go through it. we'll go through it and we'll pick and choose because we are here we already answered one of his questions before 
So we go full circle. Chase Richardson. What are the remaining 2019 targets that you guys view as locks for the Buckeyes? Who are your favorite guys to interview on the team and why? Do you guys enjoy food from Boston Market? Should there be more places that quickly serve full meals like turkey and mashed potatoes? I feel like we've answered the last three on previous podcasts. I do think there should be more, though. I think that's an avenue that could be explored in greater yep. depth. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I like I'm, I we've talked about it. I I'm I'm blanking right now where the closest uh, Boston Market is to my apartment, Philadelphia. <laughs> is he have a football question that we can talk about? Yeah, yeah pretty, 2019 the targets that oh, are quote unquote locks. <laughs> do we have a football question? Oh, who do we like to interview on the team? That's another one too. Uh, BB Landers. Uh, Mike Weber, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is bone-chillingly honest. Yeah, it's and great. And does not care. And is is just, we'll just talk about, like, how good he is, how good the team is, how they're going to shut somebody out. And it's like, he's not even, he, like, predicted a shutout or whatever against whoever. What, UNLV. UNLV. Against UNLV last year. And it was like, Nick Bosa predicts shutout. And it's like. If you know Nick Bosa and you were there, he didn't predict anything. He was just like, yeah, we're going to shut him out. It's like, is that a prediction? It's just a statement of what he views to be fact. Yeah. And he is in the, he is in the business of stating things that he believes to be fact, which I love. I've enjoyed talking with Joe Burrow in the spring. I think he's been very honest about an uncomfortable situation, which I appreciated, and his answers were thoughtful. Um, Michael Jordan, I think, is can be terse, but when he's not, I think is good. Um, what be it in terms of like the guys who like jump out immediately? I would, I would definitely agree with um, with BB. I like talk. I always like talking to Paris and Johnny together. You know, some people have mixed opinions of bringing those two guys together. I think when you have those two guys in an interview session together, you almost kind. Of, it's almost kind of fun to see them kind of play off each other a little bit. It makes for some fun. Some fun moments in there. I think Mike Weber is always very honest. Did I say? I meant to say him if I didn't say him. Yeah, yeah. you said Weber. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, there's there's some younger guys. It's hard to oh, get a Tate read Martell's on so good. far. Tate Martell's good when we get him. Yeah. It's only been one or two times. But. Thayer was good the one time we got Chase. Yep. To I, liked, I liked Chase Young when we talked to him in the spring. I told Chase's parents that. I thought like Chase Young conveyed like a very interesting – like confidence while like really trying to keep it humble, you know, but like was interesting too for a guy who hasn't done a ton with us so far. Yeah. Uh, I think he can be really good when he becomes like a team spokesman next year. Um, it's this, listen, it's, we're at a place where that list is usually pretty long. You know, it's, it's, there's more guys who are good than guys who aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and which good for us. And to answer uh, Chase's first question about the locks, I think the locks are already in right now. I think Stover seemed like a lock to me. Um, Noah Potter, Ryan Ryan Jacoby was a lock. One guy we've never mentioned on the podcast, never a lock. Been more than the surprise. Steel Chambers. I know no one committed. Everybody raved about the name, and I was pulling people. I think it was at the Buckeye Grove thing. Better better eighties movie action name or action villain for Steel Chambers. Ooh. I think I would go see a movie called Steel Chambers. I could see. Yeah, I think that kind of sounds like one of the adult films. Yeah, you you said that in. I could see that being an Arnold Schwarzenegger action title name, like an action hero name, like in like a Commando esque movie. His name is he's Captain Steel Chambers. I have a couple more. Yeah, let's do it. Sweet Morg at Sweet underscore Morg. Is it okay to eat? A sirloin steak, well done. Yes, it's what I eat. No. 
And will Chase Young have more sacks than Nick Bosa? Yes. You have Chase on that battle? Yeah. Because Nick Bosa is going to be doubled? Triple teamed? Yeah. Who do you have, Nick or Chase? I was going to say Nick, but Bill convinced me. I'm curious to see what the playing time division is. And I just feel like Joey Bosa's last year was such an extreme of, what do you have, five and a half sacks? I believe that is As a right. junior, like as a junior unanimous All-American, because it was it was just unbelievable what people did. I just feel like... Five. He had, 13, he had seven and a half, 13 and a half, five. I, I feel like it won't be as extreme with how they'll double and triple Nick because of Chase Young. And I just think that got weird. Now, the thing that I think the thing that's going to be true is I think both of them, I think people are going to predict like double digit sacks for both of them. And I think it's possible that like neither of them get double digit sacks, that like this team doesn't have a person who gets double digit sacks because most offensive game plans are going to be get rid of the ball. Can I give my prediction for who will have the most sacks next year? Yeah. Draymond Jones. Middle pressure. Like a, an interesting guy on third downs, like didn't, singled didn't sometimes. Didn't get to do the thing that he does best last year because of the four defensive ends they have. And I just think in general, it's very hard for interior offensive linemen to block elite pass rushers. And I think Draymond Jones is a very good pass rusher. I think that's possible. This is. I want to end with this one. It's not football, but I thought it was such a good question from Josh Curie at the Real J Curie Forty Three. You're driving home from an away game, and you're starving. You see the blue sign with a list of restaurants at the next exit. What restaurant do you hope is on that sign? And then he actually has a football question. That's it's the it's late part. night? We're driving home from an away game, yeah. I guess it's – let's say it's – but let's say it was a 1 o'clock kick, and, and it's not like midnight. It's you're driving like a, a, 9. So, like, everything's still open. Like – Most things are still open. You're, and there's some fear about, like, oh, is it going to close? I got, I got like, the lights turned out on me, like, while I was in the drive-thru, like, at 10 o'clock the other night. Really? At a Wendy's. I was so mad. Hmm. It's like, I pulled it at 9.59, the lights were on, I looked at the menu board, my clock went to 10 o'clock, and the lights went off. And I was like, I'm here! I'm here! <laughs> if, I, if, if I'm sitting down, like a Friday's, maybe? I want a fast food steak. I want a chain restaurant steakhouse. If we're on the, it's been a long road trip. We deserve a nice meal on the company dime. But it's still affordable. But it's still affordable. Like Outback? Yeah. I want like yeah. A, I want the fifteen ninety nine, eight ounce sirloin with two sides and bread beforehand and an unsweetened iced tea. Yeah. Like I want to, like I want a meal. Like I don't want to, like whatever. There's McDonald's and it's all that's there. I'll drive through McDonald's. But on days like that, I want to. Yeah, but I want a steak. I don't, I'm not a big steak guy, but I get that. I would go to the Outback, and I would get the wings, and I would eat the bread, and then I would get, like, chicken. But you would rather it be, like, a Friday's? Something where you can sit down that has a diverse menu. Yeah, that you can, you can have a nice meal. Tim? I'm leaning more towards Bill. You know, when it's late night, sometimes you don't know what you want. necessarily. So you want to go to a place that's got some options. Like, a sports bar always seems like a good place, even if it's a place, like, even if it's, like, a local place Something like that that's got options you can pick from. Chili's is another good option, I mm, think. Chili's always a good option. Any like chips and salsa, that's where you get me. In fact, right when I left Michigan, I stopped there. That was five minutes from ho- our hotel in Ann Arbor. It was the only stop I made on that Saturday night, driving three hours home. When I see when it's fast food stuff, 
even though you're only going to stop at one place, it warms my heart when the blue sign has a variety of things. Yeah. When the blue sign is Wendy's McDonald's Burger King, I get sad. Yep. Mm-hmm. But if you drop a Chick-fil-A in there. Culver's. A, a Culver's or a. Chipotle. Like your heart. Yeah. You can hear birds. <laughs> There's a rainbow comes out of that blue sign. If you, like, if you have, like. A chicken option and a burger option and like a Mexican or like a panda or something like yeah. a it it I I can feel I've had that experience because you know what that experience is you're driving down the highway and you're like oh I got to get off soon and you come up to the next thing and it says Wendy's Burger King McDonald's and you feel sadness in your heart yep like I, it's not that I'm against eating hamburgers I've only eaten ham fast food hamburgers. Literally 50,000 times in my life. (laughs) But I just want the option to not do it. I don't want, especially on a trip, I don't want a burger forced on me by a lack of options. Because it re like when you're driving, like if you have to keep going too, like something like it reinvigorates you a little bit, like gives you another hour or two or three that you can drive if you like see something you weren't expecting. I think McDonald's is just, or Burger King or Wendy's in that situation just like brings you down even more. And, and that's just a sign. That's also just a sign of like um, civilization. Because sometimes you get out in the middle of nowhere and it's like, you know. I mean, that might be McDonald's and a subway and a gas station. Yep. And when you're at McDonald's or subway and a gas station territory, there might be zombies out there. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the, that's, that tells me, okay, like I'm not where I need to be. And then when you come up, when you come up to the thing, like there's a mall at that exit, there's a whole Jackpot. thing, and maybe there's two or three blue signs. You can't you that's you the feel best. the smile spread across your face. You know what? There's another blue sign for a restaurant. That's great. You know what makes that smile go away though? If that mall is surrounded by zombies, like in Dawn of the Dead. I have not seen that movie. I have not seen enough zombie movies I've only, to have a zombie. I haven't seen the show. original. I've only ever seen the 2004 one with Ving Rhames, and I think it's Mackay Pfeiffer. We have the meat. I'm concerned about the O-line is the last pot, uh, part of uh, Josh Curie's question. I'm concerned about the O-line. Should I be? Uh, I've heard there have been multiple people who have expressed that. Like, since the tackle flip? I feel like the confidence in the O-line was somewhat high entering spring. Well, I don't know if... I, I think people are uncertain about center. I it, think some people still have worries about Prince wherever he is based more on... Two years ago than last year. I thought he was good last year. I, 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 I get that, but I'm not that worried. I think the depth on the interior is pretty good with Michael Jordan and Demetrius Knox and Brandon Bowen, wherever he goes. You have three guys with starter experience. Um, I get uneasiness about center, but Urban Meyer spoke very highly of Brady Taylor after the spring game and sort of made it seem like he had the job. And then Greg, Greg Stoudrawa talked later that week and said – no, Josh Myers had a really strong close the spring ball, and he's going to be right there with Brady into mm. into the summer. Um, now, I don't think Greg Stoudrawa has ever said anyone's had a bad spring, so take that with a grain of salt, I suppose. But Urban Meyer liked Brady Taylor, stud like Josh Myers, so I think there's a little room to be comfortable with center, regardless of who the guy is. Um, and I think like the only one I'm somewhat and nervous isn't the right word, but like just curious about is Thayer Munford because we haven't really seen him. Everyone loves him, and maybe he'll be great, and he probably will be great, but I'm the most curious about him. I, I was very apprehensive last year when Brandon Bowen got hurt at right guard, and then Demetrius Knox played very well. That they are both back puts me in a very different headspace. Yeah. 
than for the last couple of years. And we've talked about that because we've talked about it because Urban Meyer has talked about it repeatedly about the lack of depth on the offensive line. I think they have, I think if, if you look at the line as Munford and Prince are the tackles and Knox and Jordan are the guards and then they figure out center, as you just said, I think Brandon Bowen as a swing guy, and he might win a starting job, but the, even if he's a starting guard, he's a swing guy. Yep. I think Brandon Bowen as a swing guy is an excellent swing guy. I like when they have the swing guy because they didn't really have it last year. They had like that was Chase Farris. Like someone goes down, you could put him on either spot. You love that story, the sixth yeah, lineman story. Great. Well, I can write it again. I'm excited about it. Yeah. yeah, that's a big deal, though, isn't it? I think so. I think it's huge because they had been remarkably healthy at the beginning of the Urban Meyer era. And and not had to deal with that, but but who that guy is is a, is a huge deal, um, and I think they should feel good about that. And then again, when you have like a young guy like Josh Myers who's making a move a little bit, that's a good sign. And I think Josh Myers too, could, like, can, he is making a move at center, but I think you can also view him as an emergency guard. And again, Stud speaks highly of everybody. He spoke very highly of Wyatt Davis having a good, strong close um, to spring ball as well. Tim, are you worried at all about O line? No, I, I can understand people's worry because there's uncertainty at the two most important positions at left tackle and center. But you guys just ran through ran through all the guys. There's even if there's not only talent, there's quality depth where you feel like if there was an injury or something were to go wrong, that they could put another guy and you feel like he's a quality replacement. Something maybe Ohio State hadn't had in the last couple of years. So I think that alone you should be pretty comfortable. They, they were, were throwing Petit Frere in the mix too in the yep. August, the five star guy. They were ridiculous, he- ridiculously healthy on the offensive line in a way that I think there were a couple years where if they had had an injury on the offensive line, it really could have messed them up. Yeah. Because I don't think they would have known who they were going to play. All right, that's it. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the five-star review, the Garrett Wilson, Grant Gannell, Von We did get Bell. a new one, by the way. We got one today. Really? really? From what, at one Brown fan. Yeah. He was just very complimentary. He said, keep it up, boys, at the end. Nice. Nothing uh, nothing mean. He said, uh, Doug Bill and that other guy, J.K. Tim, you were awesome, too. Doing entertaining and thorough. Oh, wait. Are an entertaining and thorough cast breaking down all things Buckeyes football, as well as the basketball podcast, which are a nice treat trickled into the slate during the season. Love the insight, how you play off each other, and the food insights are invaluable. Keep it up. Nice. That's what we like to hear. I swear to God, next uh, podcast, I'm going to bring caramel corn. Um, so drop your reviews. Oh, wait. That's, that's my food question. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This and is it can a, be a quick answer. This is long, but that's okay. So I was in Philadelphia the last couple days, about the last 10 days, and I don't even know if this is a Philadelphia thing. It was just – it was certainly like a my household thing and like the places we ordered pizza from. But like when we ordered pizza, by default, we ordered French fries with the pizza. And it was like, what do you have for dinner? Pizza and fries. And my girlfriend, who is from Pittsburgh, thinks that's super weird. Like, the two don't go together. And I'm just curious, like, do you guys – and I was thinking about it. He's like, you know what? I, like, in Columbus, I don't mean, like, most places you order pizza from, you don't even have the option of ordering french fries because they're not on the menu. Is pizza and fries a weird combination to you to people who aren't from Philadelphia? Yes. Yes. And there's definitely a lot of places where you couldn't get – Fries. When you order pizza from like your local place in Philly, does that pizza place also have steak sandwiches? Yeah, like the, it's it's uh, pizzas, steak sandwiches, like French fries and onion rings, and chicken fingers. Usually, some places have wings. 
Other places will have like a more expensive like Italian menu, but that's kind of the default. The normal local pizza joint in Philly almost always has a steak sandwich option, right? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of places have like a sub or a hoagie or whatever yeah. option too. Um, that opens up a whole new world because they're offering the, the fry is not really intended to be a side to the pizza. The fry is there for the steak sandwich and you choose to couple it with the pizza. It's not like out there they think fries go with pizza, right? No, yeah, they do. They do think that. Like if you're at, uh, I don't know, like if you're at work and someone that works like, hey, let's all chip in, we're going to order a couple pizzas for lunch today and have them delivered to the office, those pizzas are coming with french fries. Really? Yeah. Do you think that was the original intention of the menu was for the fries to go with the pizza or that there has been? I don't know. That's a good question. Probably not. Certainly they go more, it's more natural to have them with a steak sandwich or even with like chicken fingers. Yeah. Um, so maybe not, but I think it has become the norm. That is an interesting combination. And that comes from someone who grew up in an area where he's seen multiple people have dipped French fries and frosties. Not about that. That's one. good. You're, no, that's good. Yeah. I get it. Cause I like chocolate covered uh, potato chips. I get the, I get the flavor profile. I just don't do it. Do you put the fries on the pizza? No. Do you take like bite a pizza fry? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I certainly would never assume fries as a default side to pizza. So this is not just a family Landis family thing. This is like your friends. It has area. been my experience living in Philadelphia for the eighteen years that I live, or no, twenty one years I lived there. Uh, that my family did it, and the people that I knew did it. And you think it tastes good? Yeah, I think they go very well together. I don't see it. it I think a fry best complements meat and protein. That it's a, that it's a you take a bite of a meat, whether it's a, a hamburger or a steak sandwich, and then you get a little starch as a change up. Mm-hmm. I I I think a starch complementing complementing dough is a very different animal to me. Oh no, there's a sandwich too, and I don't know where this is. Like I've only ever had it at the Jersey Shore. But I've seen it at other places. It's called a chip chip buddy, and it's a hoagie roll, like a normal hoagie roll, with French fries on it and mayonnaise, and it's really good. And cheese, it's really good. No meat. No meat. Interesting. French fries, mayonnaise, and cheese on a roll. And are the fries like, uh, like boardwalk fries, like almost like hand cut yep. fresh fries? Yeah. They're not just like fry like McDonald. They're not the fries that no. are frozen. No. Interesting. I would turn them down. If someone brought me boardwalk fries with pizza, I wouldn't turn down the fries. But I would never assume it, and given the option, I wouldn't order it. Yeah, I, I would like to know. I want to do because we went to a pizza place when we were in Jersey for Rutgers, and I don't remember fries being an option there. Yeah. So I don't even think it's an East Coast thing. Like it might even be like a, the ten block radius around my childhood home thing. Yeah. Interesting. If someone, if Lee Jenkins. Came and did a story about you. There would be stuff in there about the fries and the pizza, and yeah. that would be some somehow symbolic yeah. of your life experience. <laughs> um, we should do weird food combinations. That'd be good. Put that down. Uh, all right, he's Bill Landis at Bill Landis twenty five. He's Tim Bielek at Tim Bielek. I'm Doug Lee Maurice at Doug Lee Maurice. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. You know what? If you have ideas for a show, or whatever, you can send those along. You can always tweet us at Buckeye Talk Pod. 
Uh, it's best, you know, we just lose track of stuff. We're not very responsible human beings. We can barely keep ourselves alive. Sometimes we lose track of stuff during the week. We try not to. Sometimes we often do. Your best bet is to just tweet us on the day that we're doing the pod and the response to the call. We put out a call the day that we're doing the pod. That's how you get on the show. And if we miss you, uh, we'll try to do better. So thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, drop those reviews. We love the reviews. Well, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. But if we can't think of anything, we'll just talk about the quarterbacks again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's it. For Bill and Tim, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.